Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast, a place about games, friends, and getting better, and whatever else we want, because Ben Hansen is on paternity leave. I'm Kyle Hilliard, covering uh, this week and next week, and then, I, then, I, then I'll be done forever, probably. No, I'm, I'm sure oh I'll still goodness. be around doing stuff. Uh, and then and then after that, we'll have another mysterious temporary guest, which uh, we'll be revealing soon. I'm Kyle Hilliard. I think I already said that. I've got Jeff Markyfava with us. What's up, Jeff? That's me. I'm here. Hell yeah. Janet's here today. Hello. Maybe my cat will appear. I have the door ajar now because I have that option. And she's sitting oh, yeah. here. Just a passive observer. She didn't pay for this either. The backstage pass. Just <laughs> another freeloading moment for my cat, Bruce. But what else is new? <laughs> And Jenna is here today. What's up, Jenna? Hey, I'm visible today instead of being a spooky ghost watching you from behind the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of spooky ghosts who we all thought were dead, but isn't? Is that? I don't know. Is that fair? Wow. (laughs) Benjamin Reeves is here. What's up, Benjamin? Kyle, keep it on the DL. I have relatives who I'm still trying to convince I'm dead. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but Ben, uh, who is a former game informer, what was your, you were online content director there for a while, and now you're at Praxis. I was you, Kyle. No, I'm, I'm magazine content director. Uh, you're Miller, never mind. I was yeah. Brian. This doesn't make any sense to a lot of <laughs> no, nobody knows These are all just like random names. But uh, these days, you're over at uh, Firaxis doing uh, some writing over there, right? That's right. Now I'm me at Firaxis. Yeah, you're uh, a narrative yeah, a nar- designer, which is like narrative. a fancy sounding title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, basically, it just means I'm right now I'm writing a lot of stuff and I can't say what I'm working on. But I helped with the the Venom and the Morbius content for Midnight Suns. So if you played any of that DLC, I wrote a lot of that and you should play it if you haven't. Yeah. So if there's a particularly funny line that they laughed at in that DLC, just assume that you wrote it, right? All the funny lines. (laughs) Basically, I wrote all the stuff at the Abbey, which is a good part of it. Uh, If you're just hanging out at the Abbey with either of those characters, I wrote a lot of that. It's like you're hanging out with Reeves. That's right. (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) That's a lot of it. My my thoughts, exactly. It's all just things I thought. Why is Venom so hungry all the time? It's because I'm hungry all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I've always said that about you, man. That's true. Uh, Okay, so uh, this is a week where I am truly taking advantage of uh, being host, and it's going to be a Picross episode. We're going to talk about Picross. I love Picross, and every time I've tried to talk about it on the MinMac show, Ben always stops me and tells me that I'm not allowed to. I don't know if he's he horizons you is is what he <laughs> does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, moment in time. I also I wanted to shout out uh, Leo Vader who's not on this episode this week, but it was actually he 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 messaged me and he was like, "Hey, while Ben's out, we should do a Picross episode." Uh, and so Leo's not on this week because he's on vacation, but he did send me some like questions and some talking points and stuff like that. So we're going to talk about Picross. We're talking about the history. We're going to talk about why we love it so much. I Jenna, you have played a Picross. Yes, Before. in fact, after beating uh, Tears of the Kingdom in order to participate in Deeper Dive, I downloaded uh, the only Picross game I've ever played that I had already access to, Murder by Numbers, and played nice. a bunch of it last night, so I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. Okay, great. And Janet, you do you know what do you know what Picross is? Are you a fan? Have you ever touched any of them? I don't know. Yeah, uh, gosh, I wish I had my Switch a little bit closer. Maybe I'll get up and grab it in a second. Um, I have 
at least one or five of the Big Cross games. They sell okay. them so cheap on the eShop. Yeah, not one or not four, one to five. They yeah. sell them so cheap on the eShop that you can really get them in bundles. Um, to Jenna's point, I also dabbled in Murder by Numbers as well, which okay. has like the Pit Cross mechanics. But I've played the traditional like I solve the puzzle and oh, look, it's a boot. Like I've done that and it's fun. Okay, cool. And then at Ben Reeves and Jeff Marcufava and I, we would argue about Picross often for some reason. I think Jeff and I's most heated argument that we ever had was it's about true. Picross. We it almost like, came to blows several times. <laughs> yes. I do remember it was the like top 200 list yes. in Game Informer magazine. We debated quite a bit on whether Picross should be allowed or whether which Picross should be allowed yeah. on there. Well, I want to resurface that uh, this week, but <laughs> it's finally right some wrongs. That's right. Yeah, exactly. But before that, we are we will talk about a few timely things, uh, namely Oxenfree 2, which, Janet, you have played and finished. Mm-hmm. Well, can you tell me about it? Is it cool? Yeah. Um, do you want me to just like, go right into it? Let's do it. Let's do that. And then we're going to we're going to talk about a couple. We're going to talk about Oxenfree 2. Dordogne, and then you also want to touch on Dr. Fetus's mean meat machine. Yes. So we'll, we'll talk about those a little bit, and then we'll dive into Picross. Sure, do you want me to just jump right yeah. into it? Is, All right, Oxenfree, Oxenfree 2. 2. So, Let's do it. Um, have any of you guys played Oxenfree 1, by chance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. It had a cool little uh, dialogue mechanic where, you know, as a person who's into dialogue, where you could, like, interrupt at any time, and the conversation would carry forward no matter when you interjected. So is it similar in the sequel? Yeah, it definitely has that same structure. I think that's kind of like night school's bread and butter at this point. Um, so, Ben, what's your interest in doing in playing the second game? Are you is that something you're going to pick up? Or are you waiting to see I, like what the vibe is? I am interested. I know it's on Netflix, which is cool, but you can always have to. It's weird with those Netflix games. You can only play them on your mobile devices. I wish they would just let you play on PC. But so I, I'm interested. And since I have a Netflix account, I'll I'll probably check it out that way. Yeah, it's on um, Switch and PS5 as well. If right. you you know want a more traditional experience, but yeah, this is pay money. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be a su- even though suckers. you know the people, it's funny because I go on that rant of like when people say it's oh it's not free because you have to pay for- actually you have to pay for Netflix so it's not actually free. It's like all right, fine, none of this is free then. Don't enjoy it anyway. But I'm sure it's worth about. money. I'm sure it's worth money. <laughs> I know, but oh my gosh. Um, so Action Free Two, it's the follow up to Action Free One. Um, in between this, Night School also did a game called After Party. All of their games tend to have that. Um, casual, candid flow of dialogue that Ben was alluding to before, where you have like three bubbles that pop up and you can let them slowly fade away and say nothing. You can walk away. You have a lot of freedom in how you approach, I think, conversations and to a degree exploration. Um, if you're not familiar with the game at all, gameplay wise, it, it I mean, tell me the assets are like 3D to a degree, but it's like left to right, 2D, you know, up and down, pretty simple navigation. It kind of feels very old school adventure game in how it maneuvers and how it presents. Um, visually, it has this kind of handcraft paper doll meets collage sort of look to it that I think um, is really beautiful and and enjoyable to look at. Uh, and ultimately, I love this game. I think it's great. Um, I reviewed it over it kind of funny and gave it a four out of five. Um, got code through here as MinMax, played it front to back. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I think if you like narrative experiences oxen free two lost signals is a must play game for this year i think if you're open to narrative experiences and you're someone that is into sort of not jump scare horror you know you're into maybe like the mystery of things and sort of fussing with um 
technology to sort of uncover mysteries or just kind of dabble in what's going on in the world. It's, it's something that you'll get enjoyment out of. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm happy to go you know, further into detail. But do you guys have any questions about this? Like, are you interested in picking it up? Like, where? what direction do we want to take this in? I play, What it's, was their last game? I, you said the title. I played After Party and finished it. And I was kind of like ho-hum. I was like, no, that was okay. And oh I did not God. play Oxen Free. <laughs> like, I don't know. If, if, if that's kind of like middling to me, do you think, should I even bother with Oxen Free 2? Like, and I, I did not play the first one, uh, to be clear. It, what didn't you, I think it is. Because After Party isn't, isn't that good. Like, I was a little okay, bit disappointed a, in After yeah. Party. Like, that game's more of like a 6 to 7 out of 10 kind of game to me. Which isn't, After it's not bad, a but. Cool concept. Like, yes. you're going oh, down to hell and awesome. drinking. Dev, the devil trying to like get your soul back whatever but but yeah just after those opening hour it's kind of not as interesting plot wise but oxen yeah. free at least the first one was pretty compelling narratively i think too to a degree it kind of felt like night school maybe overextended in how they go about game design from like a purely mechanical standpoint with after party after party had more of like a 2.5d navigation system where you could kind of be in the foreground and the background and while that might sound like not that heavy of a lift i found that the ways like the dialogue boxes flowed and even the ways like the technical like it ran from a technical standpoint like i had a lot of chugging in that game which they've historically if you are in tonight school and you've played a lot of their games at launch i think we've all experienced a bit of a rough launch for them so far I'm really happy to see that Oxen Free 2 Lost Signals doesn't didn't have any performance issues for me at all on PS5. Um, my colleague over at Kind of Funny, Greg, played it, and he had like very minimal, like an occasional frame rate dip here and there. Um, yeah, I think it's worth picking up if you did, even if you didn't like After Party, because I do think After Party has a lot of the you know that night school DNA with the dialogue system and the creative concept and like fun characters. But it just didn't really hit for me. Like, I think where they took it was very surprising without spoiling After Party, but it didn't... I didn't care that deep, that much for it. It was like, oh, this was fine. But I think Oxen sure. Free 2, um, it's bringing it back to the original strength that the studio has. Um, something else that's kind of cool about it, the first one's all about this group of teenagers on, you know, Edwards Island. This one is... The main cast is Riley and Jacob, who are adults. So... Well, I think the the teenage writing was like very quality, very not like cheesy, avoided a lot of tropes in the first game. What's kind of nice about this game and, and also maybe there's you know drawbacks too, depending on how you want to look at it, is it is like looking at things from an adult lens. So there isn't as much of the interpersonal dramas as there were in Oxenfree 1. But what you trade off with that is the not because adults sort of, don't have drama. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, it's because it's it's approached differently. Like if you're someone who's I don't know, I don't want to unearth things for people, but if you're someone who has like, you <laughs> yeah, know, save traumatic, that for our Picross argument. If you're, if you're someone who has like, tra- you know, traumatic stuff going on, you, you think about maybe relationships you have with family members, with yourself, things you're dissatisfied on, but you're like, I kind of just accept that this person's kind of crummy, whatever. Yeah, I don't and, know. Ben Hansen's not here, so no, I'm just going <laughs> to really... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is such a game about about being a parent and about... Mm being a child also yeah like it very much like is an exploration of those kinds of relationships and the way that the characters reflect on them feels a lot more i don't know mature and accepting of it like i I think we all like if you work through your stuff enough you can get to that point in your life where you're kind of like some things are the way that they are you know it's kind of that classic like biblical saying right the accept the things that i cannot change and change the things i can this game kind of is 
touching on that, but also to the side of that, because I don't want people to think this is just like a super hyper emotional ghost story. Like aside of all of that, there's also just like fun conversations with friends about random things from like odd jobs you had as a kid to like overdue library book fees and whether or not you think there should be overdue (laughs) fees for your library books. So it's a it's a fun walk and talk game with like trippy supernatural stuff and a hand radio. So it's it's it hits. Yeah, right. that, I cool. like that. That sounds fun. You kind of sold me on it. I wasn't sure if I was going to play it or not, or spend a lot of time on it. But sure, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in checking it out more than I was now. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Um, lengthwise, it's according to PR, it's like an eight to ten hour game. According to my experience, it's more like a six to eight hour game. Obviously, if you if you play everything, like I'm sure you can get more time out of it. Um, it doesn't have I don't, like, I don't I wouldn't call this a spoiler, but just kind of kind of acknowledge the structure of the game. Like in the first game, you could replay like the epilogue file and get like a true ending. This doesn't have that aspect to it. Like there's not that kind of continuation in the game. Um, So like when you're done, like the game is done, but you know, you can of course go back and just start a new file and things. I do wish they catered more toward, you know, hardcore player curiosity and like, just like, let me save scum a bit. Let me like branch off. I don't know, figure out a a lore excuse to let me like travel a little bit more quickly. Um, That's probably one of the, the drawbacks I'd say, or like the, the things I wish that the game did that it doesn't, but holistically, yeah, it's a, it's a great narrative adventure and we don't, we kind of don't get a lot of those. I mean, obviously every story touches with, with narrative, but I think something that's this into story and dialogue and spending time in a place like that in such an intimate way um, is a rarity. And I think night school Oxenfree 1 and 2, they've always been just, like, only one step below, like, the the banger narrative games. You know, it's not Gone Home, it's not Firewatch, it's not whatever, but it's, like, right underneath there in a way that I feel like not enough people acknowledge. So, um, yeah, it, I, I might bring it to the 210s, so you should at least check it out cool. and be like, I don't know what Janet's talking about. I hated this. I feel like, <laughs> to, to, your, to your point, Janet, the one thing Night School, I think, does well is the moment-to-moment dialogue has been always been really solid, even in you know, after party, which yeah. I think overall narrative was kind of weak. At least the moment to moment dialogue was usually pretty clever and like kind of fun dialogue. So if the, even if you're just like in the mood for that, that sounds cool. Yeah. So to roll into Dordogne, that is that that's not like a narrative choice game, right? That's like what is the it, that is a narrative game as well, though, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'm like, <laughs> me slowly tapping onto my computer. I'm like, how do they describe Dordogne? Dordogne yeah. is definitely a narrative game. Um, it's not. To I don't know how choice heavy it is. Like I haven't I've only played like an like an hour of it, maybe like an hour plus or minus. Which granted, that's a lot when the game is I think only like four hours. But sure. Um, Dordonia, funny, funnily enough, it reminds me a lot of Resident Evil. Which like stay with me because this is like a watercolor, <laughs> you know, chill story adventure. Um, if you've played ABBA, a wildlife adventure on Apple Arcade or the other platforms that came to them, it's kind of like that. If you've played um. Freaking Kyle, you might know this because you're into like the mobile scene a bit. The other uh, Apple Arcade game where you're like fixing old like tech. I oh. always forget the name of it. I think I've seen a trailer for this, but I, yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna know the name. Yeah, that, yeah, that that's gonna drive me up the wall. But if you know, I don't know if someone in the chat knows and backstage pass, let me yeah. know. Um, it's like Go you fix the cassettes and stuff, but it has a bit of that tinkering. So it's a little bit of like you know. Explore. It also reminds me a little bit of Edith Finch because you're like in your old house, like you're in a like your grandma's house, I think is it is. So it's a lot about exploring um, 
but space and time. It also reminds me of the media. It reminds me of a lot of Janet, games. It's got a lot stop. of funky Janet, fun. Janet, you have to explain how it's like Resident Evil. You cannot keep yeah, comparing you, you, it. Yeah. You have circle back. Tell me what you mean. Assemble with care was the game. Yeah, also, I was just about to pull that. But thing. why it's like Resident Evil is because you pick up you pick up an item and you can do the whole like rotation thing and like kind of tinker with it. And to me, like while Resident Evil is obviously like very much like capital H horror, right? It's like scary stuffs happening and people are dying and your hand fell off, right? This <laughs> has the like take all that out, but like you're you're walking around in the same vibe, you know? It has a bit of that. Um, fixed camera from room to room at different angle kind of moment that I get from Resident Evil that I get from games like The Medium, which is a kind of flop horror game from like two years ago or whatever. Um, it also reminds me of The Medium because you are an adult exploring this house, but then you kind of have these flashback moments where you become a child and it's the same space, but now it's in a different context. So like when you, you know, this is like the first 10 minutes of the game, like you pull up to like your grandma's house or whoever in your family. I kind of forget. I think it's grandma. And it's like, okay, the house is like kind of, overrun and you know like the the wells all dried and then you go back again as a child like you dip into your childhood and now it's like it's a lush garden and you know her husband just passed away and you're you're a kid and you're like man like i always have fun at grandma's house but like i don't know if it's gonna be the same with our grandpa here and you're like experiencing like two different timelines to kind of explore what's going on like after this like passing because it's kind of like the invitation is like oh like this is like an invitation to come through like after like you know someone had passed on and there's like all this family kind of drama underneath it but that's like the 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 thing the resident evil comparison for me is like resident evil horror aside and stress aside is such a cozy game to me like i would never label it a cozy game for like a listicle but as far as like you're walking in a space you're hanging out like I love doing that. Like, forget <laughs> who's chasing me. Like, I'm trying to look at these old statues. Like, I'm trying to mess with, like... This, I mean, it, the, it is a game about cover, walking you know? around and looking at stuff. Yeah, like, you're just like walking around at, looking at, at stuff. Is that not... When you, okay, but when you, when you strip out the thing that is fundamental to Resident Evil, which is horror, then yeah, <laughs> if you do that with any game, then it's just a game about walking around and looking no, at stuff. No, see, I would argue often games are about, like, running and sprinting from point to point, <laughs> okay, so right? And Resident Evil is games. a game where you walk down hallways and look in yeah, drawers Yeah, it's a walking sim with a gun. It's, just, yeah. it's, it's, it's like, you can't tell me you don't like walking sims and then play Resident Evil, okay? Like, it's like, sure, that, something like, comes yeah, out at you. That, that, you that was the reason the I thought I, I really play. liked um, specifically Resident Evil Village in VR on PlayStation yeah. VR 2 because that format of game works really well for just walking around and staring at things and existing in a pretty space. It's like, so look, I, you're picking I up an herb, you're picking up a pencil. It's all the same stuff. Why are it's we splitting hairs? More you like know? Resident Evil, um, right? What? All right, I'm out of here. Are you? You're yeah, rusty, so... man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's about that's about on par. Okay. Yeah, I think you just that's what I remember. Ones. It's a it's a Ben for Ben kind of. That's slot. why Ben has, hasn't invited me on in a while. <laughs> but, but but genuinely, confusing comparisons aside, you know, it is yeah. like a, a a sweet game where you're sort of walking around, tinkering with objects, uncovering memories, exploring. Um, has a bit of nostalgia to it. Beautiful art direction. Um, and yeah, I really enjoy it. It's on Game Pass. So um, definitely you should check it out. Ooh. Rip to Game Pass and maybe not having an annual version anymore. I went to go Uh-oh. re-up and it just said it was monthly or I think like three months is like the max you could get. Like I could not get an annual. 
So oh, I like you got, wanted signed, to buy a year's worth? Oh. Yeah, so I signed up for one month, and then I immediately can't went to cancel it, as you do if you were cheap, as I am. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we got one month to beat Dordonia. I will check back with y'all and see if we're, I can uh We're done with there. Game Pass. Yeah. There I we go. He's back. Game Pass. <laughs> He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Why, why, why is it called Dordonia? I, maybe I missed that. What is the that? Name? It's the name of the, the region. Yeah. yeah. It's French, right? Yeah. It it's looks French. like Janet... <laughs> Have you seen Only Yesterday? No. It's a, it's a, one of the more obscure. I mean, they're not, I don't think any of their movies are obscure, but it's one of the more obscure Studio Ghibli movies. But the, everything you've described about it and the visuals of this remind me of Only Yesterday, which is my favorite oh, Ghibli cool. movie. But all right, that's your favorite. It's my favorite. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I haven't watched it. I know I that tones sound judgy, remark. but no, it's it's a, just it's a movie about uh, a woman in like her mid twenties who's like dissatisfied with her life at the moment, and sort of it's it's sort of told in like partial flashbacks of her like thinking back to her youth and like things that she did and like this this sort of back and forth, and she goes out into the the um, rural Japan to. Uh, work on a farm over the summer and basically like figure figure her business out. But it's it sounds like nice. thematically there's some overlap. Apparently, and, rural Japan is shrinking, or Japan in general, I think, is shrinking population wise. So there's all these like empty houses in the Japanese countryside that are really cheap, and you can like basically buy for a dollar. So you could go live that experience if you want. Oh, <laughs> I, oh, I did Google. I went down that Google rabbit hole a few weeks ago, Ben, where I was like, yeah. "What's the feasibility of this?" It's <laughs> and it was. Feasible. It's not very feasible for an American to go buy a cheap well, house. Well, yeah, Japan, getting so. is. Well, we can't talk about this for too long because this is not the only time that this has happened in my very brief amount of time on this podcast this is not the first time we've talked about this exact thing just lean like, into it yeah, exactly. yeah. You, if you don't everybody's have, always telling you to move to japan jenna people keep telling me to get out read of the room jenna say, get out of america can you still you're, produce the show if you're in you're, japan you're not wanted here why can't you just be straight? No, uh, <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of issues around like visas because like buying property in Japan does not mean that you get citizenship. Do they take MasterCard? So you can only be there for like three months, basically. And it's yeah. like, well, so like, am I going to buy a vacation house? Like, um, uh, basically, I'm trying to bully a lot of people into doing it with me, but I haven't gotten any fish on the hook yet. Well, good um, luck. We'll touch briefly on it, uh, Janet, but um, uh, just a hard left turn. <laughs> Dr. Fetus's Mean Meat Machine, which yeah, I, really I, I, play, here. I did play a little bit, too. And I actually I like um, Super Meat Boy Forever, right? The last Meat Boy game, which is mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, developed by 50% of the original team meat and was talked about for like years before it finally came out. So I kind of understand why all of a sudden one day you know, on the store, there's like, oh, there's a new team meet game. Okay. Uh, but you, you seem positive on it. What you played of it. Yeah. Um, can you do a recap on like, what is this game? I mean, it's a puzzle game, right? It's like a, it's like a well where you're dropping yeah. <laughs> meat cubes into your matching so, colors. It's a match puzzle game. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I guess I'd also describe it as having, um, trying to evoke or utilize the, mechanics and world building that has been established across the Meat Boy games, which is like a weird sentence, but, yeah. you know, and that's to say there's that there's there. like, there's like a freaking, what are they called? You know, like the blades, like the spinning blades are there and, the and things like that. Yeah. Yes. 
Buzz sauce, thank you. I'm like, the thing that's sharp, you don't want to touch it because you, you die, that thing. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> um, and it's solid. You know, I don't have a lot to say about this one, but honestly, and maybe I'm just too, like, basic to really be able to give a more thoughtful analysis of the match puzzle genre. I haven't played a lot of match puzzle games in my life. Like, I miss the candy crush craze. Like, that never hit me. Like, I only played a few minutes of Dr. Mario, you know? Like, I just haven't had a lot of time in the space, you know, maybe tossed in Puyo Puyo Tetris here and there, but I liked it and I thought it was actually pretty challenging. I only did a couple of the levels, but I did, I'm playing on PS5, I did unlock the trophy of, it's something like, man, this game's hard and it's like, try 10 times at a level. And it was the meanest trophy I've gotten in a while, so I don't know how to feel about that, but I did enjoy my time. Um, it got, yeah, it was harder than I thought it would be. Like at first it's like, oh, this is a game to zone out to. And then I was like, this is a game, I'm sweating, sweating holding that controller. God, it is such a, it is a genre where it's like, you just know immediately if you like this entry, right? Like, cause I, and I couldn't even tell you why. It's like, why do I not really like Puyo Puyo, but I love Tetris. Why do I not really like, well, actually I do like Candy Crush. I, I do like Candy Crush, but then there's like other match threes and I'm like, I don't like this one, even though it's like mechanically the same. And it's, yeah. it's so hard to identify why, uh, because it's such a, like a, it either just clicks into your brain or it doesn't. I, it's, it's, it's not like an aesthetics thing or is it like a gameplay feel thing? I know yeah, you I mean, just yeah, said those, you can't decide, but. <laughs> the, there's, those are certainly factors, right? Like if, if it doesn't feel good to play, like I can be like, okay, I'm out on this. But in terms of like just the core mechanic, it's like things either click for me or they don't. And I, and I don't know why does Luminez, you know, steal four hours away from me when other things that I'll, that, you know, by all metrics, like play just fine on the app store, I will delete after five minutes. So which one is this one for you? Gosh, I it's it might be one that I don't know if I'm going to go back to. Uh, I did I downloaded oh, the demo option number three. Okay. That's right, and played the tutorial <laughs> and stuff. Um, and I didn't really feel it didn't didn't grab me in a big way. Even though I do like uh, what Team Meat is doing these days, and like I said, I liked uh, their last. I liked Super Meat Boy Forever. I thought that was um, like weirdly underrated. I don't think a lot of people played it. I think a lot. I was going to say, was off. that the last game they did? Because that was yeah. two, three years. I actually reviewed that at Game Informer, which was oh, kind of yeah. cool, and I what did like it. Uh, man, I don't remember. Maybe an eight five. If I had to, somebody could look me up and correct me. But I, I do remember liking it. It wasn't as like memorable as the original Super mm-hmm. Meat Boy, or as yeah. hard actually. But it still was hard. Yeah, yeah I liked it, it. It felt kind of it, and maybe it's like the bias of like we all know what. Not like what went down with Team Like it's that dramatic, but just the fact that like the team is different than it's not the people that made. It's not just yeah, the people that made that story. Super Meat Boy, right? It's like. It's oh, it's like oh, it's Super Meat Boy still because they like got the rights to it, and it's like part of yeah, the people. It's the programmer of Super Meat Boy, but not the exactly. artist. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just, it just, it didn't feel like it had the same heart to it. I think that's the thing with Super Meat Boy Forever. It felt technically really well made, but a little soulless, and I don't know why. It just did. I mean, that's because I, I have the bias of knowing like sort of what the first one was like, and and what this one, you know, it yeah, like it felt a little too like the edges got rounded off a little bit even in the art style it's like a bit more of an amicable art style in a lot of ways like it looks nicer but it's like there's something about the gloss to it that doesn't isn't isn't hit the same as when i was playing meat boy on my mac in college but maybe i'm just like an old head <laughs> in that sense maybe this, maybe this is me exposing myself no, it's, like, it's, you know, it's it all less comes grungy, around. yeah 
but yeah, the, uh, what, what was the title again? It's uh, Dr. Fetus' Dr. Meat, Fe- meat Machine. Yeah, Dr. Fetus' Meat. And yeah, the premise is like, oh, he's making like, a, I think a meat machine to like learn how to kill meat boy like more efficiently. And he's like running these tests and you have these little guys that drop down. and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know, it had, it had more going within it than I thought it did. And I think the last thing I want to say about it is I kind of get a kick out of um, these kind of puzzle games, kind of like vertical, like objects falling down where you kind of can work inside of the play field, which just kind of plays with like both. It's not as like you're inside the play field the way like Shovel Knight Dig was or the way that, God, there's like this really cool game on Steam where you're like, you have like, a grappling hook and there's treasure chest. If anyone can name it, Shout out to you, because I have no idea even how to begin. But I like that you're kind of manipulating within the space. It's not just about, like, lining things up, but, like, strategically sacrificing some clones and, like, timing the blades right. It's not Grapple Dog, but shout out to naming a game that has a grappling hook and a dog, which is maybe only Grapple Dog. So, anyway, (laughs) check it out, maybe. It's solid. It's not, like, a part wreck for me. But I played it, and I was like, oh, I'm enjoying this more than I thought I would. Yeah, there's a demo. Like you can go on free demo if if you're. I just that. realized too that sorry to cut you off, Kyle, but I just realized it's a par- uh, riff off of Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which so it's like a parody of that old game. There you go. Like gameplay wise, it sounds like. Yeah, similar. That's cool. Janet, but did guys, you get to play any of the demo of? I think it's Rift of the Necrodancer. It's like the new Necrodancer game that's just a like Guitar Hero style rhythm mm. game. Oh! Oh no, I have not, but I'm familiar with it. Okay, I was I do want to play that. Curious with that with that assessment of Mister. I was I was curious what you thought about that because it does some sort of similar things where it's, uh, it it is when you look at it, it's like a guitar here. I get I press the button when the button comes up, but it's doing a little bit of some different stuff in the space with like how the enemies move and dance back and forth. Yeah, yeah. uh, I'll be curious to hear your opinion when it comes out and you play it. Yeah, we'll see. I feel like yeah, I don't. I don't know if I got the rhythm sauce for it. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, like, it, <laughs> <laughs> well, you got time. It's time to start training. <laughs> time to turn it all around after what has it been like 29 years of no rhythm. We you, figure you're it out. teaching yourself piano. That's going well, right? That's yeah, rhythm. It's going. It's going. <laughs> Guys, let's move on to uh, another puzzle game. A different puzzle game. Maybe the best puzzle game. I don't. know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I maybe that's too strong. You know, I, that's well, me. Tetris just is right there, Tetris, kind of looking right, over yeah. your shoulder. But He's man. right behind you, Kyle. Picross, <laughs> I it is like genuinely uh, bordering into like unhealthy obsession for me. Like I really love Picross, and it, and we won't delve into the the rules of it because maybe if you're into listening to the Minmax show, maybe you're not super familiar with what Picross is. Uh, it is not a concept Nintendo invented. It is something, it, it's based on something called nanograms. It's also called Hanji paint by numbers. Sometimes people refer to it as griddlers, pick a picks. It has all these different names. And uh, I was, you know, just doing some general sort of Wikipedia research. And it kind of started in uh, like the late 80s, like 1987. Nan Shida, a Japanese graphics editor, won a competition in Tokyo by designing grid pictures using skyscraper lights that were turned on or off. <sighs> This led her to the idea of a puzzler based around filling in certain squares in a grid. And then coincidentally, a professor, a professional Japanese puzzler named Tetsuya Nishio invented the same puzzles completely independently and published them in another magazine. So I guess in like the late 80s, Japan was like there were two different puzzle designers like coming up with this idea. Wow. And then uh, Nintendo sort of 
they kind of, like I said, they didn't invent it, but it's become sort of associated with them, thanks in part to Mario's Picross, uh, which released for Game Boy in 1995 in Japan and America. They only released like a few months apart. And then in Japan, there were like a ton of Picross games on Super Nintendo. There was, um, there was one that was actually recently put on uh, Nintendo Switch Online. Like it's one of those instances where it's like you can play the Japanese version of this of Picross game, uh, which I dabbled with and was was interesting. But then they also had like eight follow up games in Japan. But they were they were this um, which I was I'm not super familiar with this, but um, there was this thing called the uh, Super Famicom Cartridge Writer where you could like take this blank cartridge and like load it with games. And so apparently Nintendo released like eight Picross games for that. And to keep going down the history rabbit hole here, the developer Jupiter uh, is who basically makes these games. Now, there are other developers who make Picross games, but when you think of Picross in the video game space, you're usually thinking of the developer Jupiter, who's they've been around since 1992. And they one of their early games was like a Game Boy soccer game. And they helped with Game Boy Camera. They did some development on that. They helped with Pokemon Pinball. Uh, Janet, they worked on Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, which Janet and I were talking before the podcast that we might have to have a Kingdom Hearts discussion next week, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, the world ends with Wait, you. Wait, don't subscribe yet. Just stay yeah, don't subscribe yet. <laughs> okay. It's another, it's another uh, Ben Hansen's not here. We're going to talk about Kingdom Hearts situation. Uh, Wait, we Kyle, are you in this super into Kingdom Hearts now? No, uh, I'm not. But I want. But I think it would be a great time to talk about it next week. We're just two people who are dabbling for science. Just know? round up all the words. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, but Jupiter also worked on the World Ends with You, the original like DS version, like the uh, very first instance of that, which I, I wasn't aware of, which kind of surprised me. Um, and then you know, lots of licensed games, and but like these days, they are basically just making Picross games. Like constantly, like there's the Picross S series, which they're up to like eight or nine or something. I actually don't, I don't, uh, I don't like play all of those because there are so many. I play like maybe every other one or so, and I and I don't a hundred percent them or anything like that. Wow, fake fan. Yeah, right. <laughs> you said that so defensively, as though you were like prepared for us to be like, oh, Kyle, oh. <laughs> Leo's not here to call me a fake ass gamer. So, um, but yeah, I Picross is it's. It's a game, it's like, it, it, people might be scared off of it because it looks like math, because it does involve a lot of numbers, and, and people don't like math, but it's it's really a logic puzzle. Like, it has more in common with Sudoku yeah. than I think anything else. But it's so it's easier. It's so much more fun. satisfying, because what you're working toward is, like, little number logic puzzles to eventually make a picture that, admittedly, I can't click past fast enough to get to the next puzzle. <laughs> But I'm always grateful that I'm working towards something. Oh, what uh, is this thing? Roller skate? Great. Yeah, yeah. Next sure. One. I, next one. Um, but I, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go around the horn. I, Jeff, I, I kind of want to know your history with Picross. And if you still keep up with Picross and play a lot of Picross. I don't. Um, but I did start with the original um, Mario Picross. That was like one of the two or three Game Boy games that I actually had. Um, and so I've always just been kind of like there are enough generic pick cross type games that like whenever I see one or I'll find one on a, you know, like a random app will show up on the app store or whatever. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll download that. I've always appreciated the underlying basic kind of um, logic puzzle of it. Right. And Jenna, you're a recent 
uh, Picross sort of discoverer? Is that is that a fair assessment? Is that true? Well, I, I don't even know. I know I played. I when Murder by Numbers came out, I played it a decent amount of it, and that was cup couple years now. Couple years yeah, past. Yeah, 2019, 2020, maybe something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And so I played a decent amount of it, but that was really my first experience with Picross. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I really love logic puzzles. I love uh, those puzzles where it's like blank wants to sit next to blank, but refuses to sit next to blank. And these people are eating meat. And that, like, like one of those weird, like, multi tiered ones. And this is sort of like a numerical version of that, which I find very pleasing. <laughs> That is, I, I love your description of like that type of logic puzzle of like blank doesn't want to sit next to blank because that's like literally what it is. It's like you can't have two next to three. So you got to have a space there. Like that is absolutely what yeah. it is. But I, I found oh. my my the only reason I didn't get super into pick cross because it is like exactly the sort of thing that taps into that part of my brain. That's just like make it nice, make it tidy, make it right. Get the points and do the thing uh, is that it feels like one of those games that you inevitably play while you're like listening to shows or watching something. And I don't have a lot of room in my life for that because I knit a lot. And so it's like, I, if I didn't knit, I would do pit cross, but I knit. So I don't do pit cross. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, for me, it is definitely one of those, like just throw some fun on TV. That's comfortable and play a thousand pit cross puzzles. And Oh my God. It's and that's why you don't morning. knit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why, right. Kyle? That's it. That's why. Uh, and, and Janet, what's what's your sort of Picross history, if any? Um, mine is, uh, I finally found it. I don't own a bunch of games. I own one. I own Picross S3. Um, I the best got into one. it. Is it the best one? <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're all pretty much the same. <laughs> okay. Um, this is, I got into it because when I worked at IGN, I was on NVC a good amount. So I would talk to like, you know, I wouldn't call him the main boss necessarily, but like, you know, Pear Schneider, right? Big boss Pear Schneider. And he loves Picross. And I was Man like, let me taste. see what's up. Let me see what's up with this pit cross. And I was like, it's pretty good. I will say it, they're very approachable puzzles. I think they scale really nicely. I think the to the benefit of, um, I think a lot of times when you have games like this in video game form, there's sometimes the question of like, well, what does this add like as a video game? Like, can't I just open a book and do it on paper? I think you get so much benefit from the using the video game medium for puzzles that don't require video games because you get assists. So even if you struggle with, you know, the logic puzzle of it all, or you just tend to hit walls with puzzles, like there are assists in place to do stuff. There's like the tutorialization in Picross is very, very good. Um, and, the, you know, the, the puzzles scale slowly. So like I have S3 and frankly, I've only done like I don't know, one dozen of these puzzles. Like, and then they keep coming out with more, so I'm like, I'm never going to keep up. But like, the first one is like Apple. It's 5x5 five five grid. It took me 35 seconds, you know? Yeah. That's fine. It's quick. Now, meanwhile, like, I don't know what happened with this melon. 33 minutes. Now, I put it down for a <laughs> But at the same time, like... Melon's just a bigger apple, Janet. I, I don't know what's I know. About. And then I'm like, why can't I see this melon? And then, you know, you click the thing and you see the picture. Um, yeah. I think they're really... It definitely feels like Sudoku, but much easier. Like, I am very candid about I don't think I'm, you know, a puzzle savant by any means. I have my puzzle moments and I enjoy puzzle games, but I also struggle with um, sort of the puzzle equivalent of functional fixedness. And if you're not familiar with this term, it's the idea of when you're solving something in real life and maybe you, 
you have like a screwdriver and you can only think of using it to undo screws, but like, oh, you can actually turn it and like, you know, use it to knock something over or something like that, right? And I kind of think of, is it this solution or this solution? And when it's neither, like I really struggle to see what it could be. And that's true for like a lot of puzzle games, like super liminal, portal. Like, you know, I hit these walls all the time. It's why like the freaking wildness of, um, what's that game everyone loves, Jonathan? With The Witness. It's like The Witness mm-hmm. seems a little scary. Because I'm like, look, <laughs> I don't think I got the mental energy to do this. Okay, I get dense. lost in things that aren't it's even puzzles. It's a dense puzzles, game, but yeah. Yeah, but Pit Cross feels extremely approachable. Like, I, and I, so I think if you're even curious at all, like, pick your platform of choice, wishlist it. It'll probably go on sale. Like, pick it up. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by how enjoyable and approachable it is. It's really satisfying. This is, I think, I'm I, more so than Sudoku. I think, which is just like, oh, yep, I put the numbers in the place. Maybe this is yeah. why it's the, the picture element is so strong. Because it really yeah. is like, I, I also do not care about the pictures so much. I am just like, no, give me another puzzle. Please more, yeah. more to the drip. Like, it, but, <laughs> but there is just, it's like so much more satisfying to be like, oh, I did it. Oh, I, I put the thing in the box. I marked it nice. I did a good job. I don't know yeah. why it's more satisfying than Sudoku. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's actually one of the, uh, Ben, before I get your history, I, one of the, uh, I wouldn't call it a problem, but one of the things about Murder by Numbers uh. was like, I I just wanted to play Picross, I realized. <laughs> and and it was funny because I was so excited for that game. And it, was, it, it came out during uh, at a time when I was doing this other podcast by myself. And I actually had Ed Fear, the director, like, come on. And I talked to him about Picross. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm so excited for this game. And I played I played the first couple hours and I never finished it. And uh, I was tweeting about it once. And uh, Ed, Ed Fear, he called me out on Twitter. He's like, <laughs> what the hell, man? You didn't play this game. <laughs> We talked so much about it, and I was like, I just, I the story seemed good. I just, I just wanted to get to the Picross puzzles. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't interview him, so I can say that the story wasn't as interesting. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. So, I mean, I that was why I didn't. I mean, maybe it got better, but that's why I fell off is because there was so much dialogue between puzzles, and I was like, I, I'm not as interested in this narrative yet guy you need to like move along a little bit faster for me to get interested and i just want puzzles but there was another what was that other puzzle uh picross game that came out around the same time where you're running through a maze uh it was like medieval knights or something picto quest it might have been picto quest but i I was playing that around the same time as well and that is a game where you just jump puzzle to puzzle yeah and i like that one a lot and i think you had i think you had powers and stuff didn't you get like uh, items or something that you could use or Maybe. spells you could use and that would like things that would wipe off three rows or something like that sounds. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. But yeah, Ben, what, what's your sort of like I, you and me would talk Picross all the time. Like you, I remember Picross 3D round two came out and it just like stole our lives away from yeah. us. And it was like all you and I were doing. And at the game informer offices, I, we were even like, preaching the good word of Picross 3D Round 2 to anyone willing to listen. <laughs> we couldn't get anyone to join our cult. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'd love to know your sort of history and how you discovered it and everything. Yeah, that was a, that was a frustrating conversation that I'm happy to relitigate if you want. But yeah, the uh, yeah, I want I love Picross 3D and we should definitely talk about it more. But yeah, my history is uh, I, I started with the original Mario Picross on the Game Boy, which was the first one I encountered and just it's super basic. Picross, you know, it's 
There's nothing special to it other than, and it's all black and white too. So when the Mario's like picture, on safari or something, or he's like chiseling away, there's some weird. He's like an archaeologist. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where now you have the thing, and and the you do the, you finish the picture, and it's all these black squares, and then it fades into a real photo, and it's all perfectly it's like 250 colors and it's oh i can see because you you took these pixels and you shaded them differently so now it's a real photo but back then it was just black and white we're gonna make you know an apple and it has to look exactly like the shape of an apple <laughs> or a watermelon or whatever uh very fruit heavy this Picross series <laughs> yeah, right. but yeah the i love that game and i played you know some of the other ones like s three or four I, you know there's a million of them so i don't know which one i have downloaded but I remember playing uh, Murder by Numbers a little bit. I, the one I really got into for a while, for randomly, was that. Po- uh, it was a uh, not Pikachu, but Pokemon Picross. Do you remember yeah. that one? Yes, I, I, I surprised like very good, but uh, it was like Nintendo's early experiment with uh, free to play, free to start kind yeah. of stuff, and like I didn't like the monetization of that game. It was always, it's like spending money on like a, a free to play game on my 3DS always felt weird. But mechanically, Pokemon Picross is very cool and, and yeah. quite good. Yeah. Well, it, and I know it had that free to play element, but it's interesting that you bumped against that because for me, like, I don't know how I would have spent money on that because, like, it wasn't like a <laughs> thing that was very front facing to me. And I, I think I completed all the puzzles. You know, I play a couple puzzles every every day or so. Uh, but the thing that was cool about it was you would collect Pokemon and then you could use your Pokemon and they all had powers again, similar where one might create a giant X slash on the screen or one might just, I don't know, Bulbasaur might cause rain to hit and like pop a bunch of uh, squares and color them in for you. So it was kind of a neat mechanic to like add some extra element to get you started on a puzzle, but then also to help you like beat this one you know, under five minutes and that kind of thing. So I really liked that, you know, Pokemon Picross in addition yeah. to the 3d ones, which I think I really like Picross Kyle. I know you do too, but I think I love Picross 3d. I think that might be my preferred version of it is the 3d. Uh, you know, you can't were... waffle on this man. It's not a might be like you and me were adamantly, on 3D is better than 2D. We well, were fighting trying to fight say. together. <laughs> if I'm not, if I'm not adamant enough, I'm still adamant about it. Is uh, the grid three? What is that? Is the grid 3D? Like yeah, there's the blocks. Like block. You're basically chipping away at the blocks, and it came out on the 3DS. There's two of them, and you, you know the thing about it was is you would use the touchscreen to like maneuver the block around and then yeah, you had to use a style like it was sort of designed to use a stylus like yeah. you had to use the stylus um it's one of those things that it great. worked so well on the platform it was made on that it's almost hard to play that kind of game hmm. on anything else which is kind of sad i don't there think it game... would work on switch i don't think i would like it as much <laughs> if they found some weird way to do it yeah yeah i mean there is a game called voxelgrams on the switch that is a basic 3d style picross game and it, it doesn't work as well like i'm still working my way through it and i like it but yeah there's something about having the stylus and being able to manipulate it physically that it's definitely missing when you don't play it on that 3ds unfortunately i'm looking yeah. at the pictures of it like i'm hesitant about this 3d thing it just looks like 
like it shouldn't have happened. But I will say what's putting me back <laughs> is the cover art is like you chipping away um, from a 3D cube. Like the ang- they have like an isometric angle of a cube. And inside the cube is a dog, which is yeah. lifting a lot for me. I'm like, I do kind of want to free this dog inside this <laughs> I mean, that's, and that's, it, that's, it's like petting dogs. It's like petting dogs <laughs> for hours on hours. That it's like that pet dogs, like. but fun, you know? Uh, <laughs> Well, no, yeah, and it, it is a game. It's like I I do love Picross 3D, but it's so hard to recommend it because it would be like, yeah, well, your first step is you got to break out your 3DS. That's step one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I'm already well, out. Jan's right, ready. What's, what's step two? Whoa! Oh, like Picross 3D. Right. Oh, Jan, but it that is was like, such a power move. She's got it. Oh, if you can, I'm like to vi- try to visualize it a little <laughs> bit. Like if you're doing a two a 2D Picross grid, like imagine doing that like. Uh, what's uh, six six times and like this like scary. It, it's it's one of those things that sounds intimidating but like once you understand the the, the mechanics of it it's really not and it, it i it is ultimately you know it's debatable obviously but like i find it more satisfying because you're literally like breaking apart blocks right you're like chipping away at this thing and the sort of the the 3d model that you end up is ultimately i think more satisfying than just a, a 2d image well but, and uh, they're being able great. to clear an entire row with a stylus and just like take the stylus and go and like shave off an entire row of blocks yeah. is one of the most satisfying things in games honestly they, yeah there is, there is something to be said about like nintendo's approach to it they didn't just like take this idea which are obviously already existed and turn it into a video game like with with the original mario picross and with uh, picross 3g like they really thought about the kind of tactile nature and like Put in the extra, you know, like the sound effects and even the the theme as ridiculous as it is that Mario's an archaeologist now or whatever, like all of that <laughs> made it more satisfying to in, instead of just like, OK, this one's black, this one's white, this one's black. Like you were really chipping away at it. And that there was there was like a satisfying tactile nature to it. Yeah. Uh, which which I, I feel like that's what's missing from a lot of the kind of free random nanogram games you know like they don't they don't put that kind of thought into the actual like perform performance of yeah. of going through the puzzle i mean even the jupiter games which are really high quality like they feel good to control like they don't they don't sort of conceptualize anything they don't like wrap it in some silly conceit and by mm-hmm. and silly sounds like i'm being dismissive but it would be cool if there was like you know if you were working towards something if there was like some sort of light I don't want to say narrative, but just like a reason why you're building these things, right? Well, like, would okay. Be nice. But then, then when there is that, a narrative, yeah. it's, like, it's too narrative-y. But that's is that not like, what your say... complaint about Murder by Numbers was, is that there was just too much of that in between the playing? But I will say, I didn't like the narrative of Murder by Numbers. Yeah. Like, I didn't feel that into the story. It wasn't a yeah. bad story, but it wasn't like great. Yeah. So I was I, like... What, uh, to Kyle's point, though, like it doesn't have to be a huge narrative. It can just be like, like going back to the original Picross, Mario's Picross. He's an archaeologist, right? Like that's a just a narrative <laughs> lens to look through, and that's not like a huge. Like I don't think there's dialogue in that game, right? No, Other no. Than, like, yeah, there's an like na- narrative. Yeah. I think was your, the wrong your cursor. Word your cursor is like a little yeah. chisel, and and every time you press the button, a little hammer like taps it, and it makes a little noise. And I think you had like a brush to like wipe off the X's that you that you mark on and it's it's just I like used my tongue yes well that that's <laughs> also another option but but it, it's it's just that like extra tactile like 
it's it's the reason that people sit down, you know, with like you know, uh, like bubble wrap, and they'll just like sit there and pop each little bubble, like like it's, it's just a satisfying. It it, it adds it. yes, yeah. It it adds a little satisfying layer that like yeah. no apparently no one else thinks of when they make those games. They're just thinking about the puzzle and like how you make that puzzle, but not like just the satisfying the aspect of. Of that, like ticking your way through it. You're making me think say. of Let's Revolution. <laughs> Are you guys familiar? Did any of you play the demo for Let's Revolution? Uh, yeah, I, I played the demo because the, uh, the 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 press email that I got invoked uh, Picross. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, uh, sure, I'll check it out. Incredible. Uh, well, it's basically yeah. what you're describing, for, but for Minesweeper. And I've been thinking a lot, thinking a lot about like the the fact that. That's such a like a low hanging fruit, like taking these like traditional older game mechanics, like this pure puzzle concept, and then wrapping it in a story and wrapping it in powers or like, was it Puzzle Quest? Was Puzzle Quest the one that was like the pick three, but you also have magic powers and stuff? Y'all play much puzzle? Yeah. Yes, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I that's think cool I feel like this should be its own like genre of or, like subgenre of puzzle games where it's just like this this basic mechanic that we all kind of know and take for granted wrapped in a, a more beautiful yeah. dress. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's I don't I don't need or want a story. I just kind of want like uh, like thematic things, right? <laughs> One of my favorite recent Picross games, which has a terrible title because it's formatted. Picross S, all caps Genesis, ampersand, capital master system, lowercase edition. It's like, get out of here with this. Oh, that <laughs> makes me want to play some Picross. <laughs> but so Picross S, Genesis and master system edition, which is like my main recommendation. If anyone's like, well, what's what a wait, nerd won't... statement. I'm so sorry that you, yeah. like, the, you can't get, you can't get away from that. It's like uh, if anyone's like, well, you won't shut up about Picross. Like, should I try Picross? This it's the one that I point to because all the puzzles are based on Genesis and Master System games. So you're like making yeah. characters from Genesis games and making games, you know, or making pictures from uh, Master System games. And it is functionally, it's just a standard Picross game. It's just go through this series of puzzles. But just having that sort of thematic wrapping just makes it. Uh, just that a little bit more interesting that I it ended up being one of my favorite recent uh, Picross games to play. That's a good one. Yeah. I know there was there's a ton on phone, but I really got into there's a Konami one. I it's like Konami Picross or something just simple like that. Yeah. But it was all similar where it was all stuff from Konami games, pictures of stuff from Konami games. And I think it was free. And for a while the ads weren't working, so you didn't even have to worry about ads. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I played that one a little bit. I I struggle on the phone because once you get beyond a five by five grid, it gets you have to like zoom in and it gets a little tricky. At least I I kind of find uh, it hard to play on a phone. Um, but uh, I did I did try that one out. I also want to call it another one another weird one. It's called Picross Lord of the Nazarick. On it's another Jupiter Picross game, but it's based on uh, the, an anime uh, Lord of the Nazarick, which is again it's just like a weird rapping to give a Picross game and I just kind of appreciate that little touch of just it being you know 10% more than just yeah, here uh, to figure out what uh, how to make this apple I also uh, <laughs> the game that I have played most on Playdate was just a fan made Picross game that someone made. Really? <laughs> so That's how does awesome. that work? Were you cranking it? Do they have the? Do they use the crank at all? They don't. It, there's Alice. nothing. <laughs> like, just, I'm sorry. If you're dropping something on Playdate and you're not using that crank, I don't right. know. the setting. Something. Give but me just, something. 
it's so silly that I was just like, I can play Picross like anywhere uh, with a backlit screen. But I just was like, I liked the the sort of tactility of the the Playdate yeah. D-pad and the buttons to play Picross on that little uh, that it's little a, screen. There's something really fun about gaming on something that's obscenely small. Like mm-hmm. I really want that like Game Boy Micro that's been on my wish list forever. It's like, that's not practical, but it's like, I've played this game so many ways. Have we played it in the least comfortable way possible? We haven't. Let's do it. I also, um, the other, I don't know if um, Jeff or Ben, if you have more that you want to call out, but you could only get it uh, through like Nintendo Club points, but they had a Twilight Princess themed Picross, and I remember it, it it came out and i think i was short a couple like nintendo points you have to like log into your nintendo account every day and stuff like that and i have this uh, memory of like feverishly trying to figure out how i could get like five more points on an airplane before it took <laughs> off i was like desperately trying to get enough points to like uh, connect to the airplane game to connect yeah. to my phone so I could download Zelda Picross on my 3DS and I and I didn't quite make it but I, I you know a couple days later I was able to download it and play it and uh, I love Zelda it was super cool to have like a Zelda themed Picross game but they was like there was a couple controls that they didn't bring over from like other from Jupiter's Picross games there's like another team had made this game and it's like it was one of those things I don't even remember the specifics but like Typically, you would hold down a button to like mark an X and let go to to like delete it. I don't, I don't remember the specifics, but it was slightly different than other Picross games, and it drove me crazy. But uh, uh, I would still love to see that uh, Twilight Princess Picross game ported to Switch. I would absolutely play that again, or you know, start over. Do you have a sense, Kyle or or anybody, how they even make the Picross puzzles at this point? Because at this point, I assume it's just. They start by drawing a picture and then throw it at an algorithm and then it's like spits out like here's the puzzle. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I the the Picross that I that I fell in love with, the one that got me on board was Picross DS. Uh, I didn't play Mario Picross on Game Boy. Picross DS was it was like twenty bucks and I, and I, that was enough for me. It like launched. It was like a Nintendo off. published game for twenty bucks and I was like, yeah, I'll try this out. And uh, the rest is history. But um, that had it where you can make your own puzzles and share them with wow. other people, which I never really dabbled with. I, I more wanted people to make puzzles for me. But um, yeah, but I, it, it is possible to create stuff that's like not impossible to solve, but like that can be you can hit a logic, you know, fallibility where it's like, well, it's possible here or here. And like the, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. exactly how to solve this. Yeah, I yeah. don't I don't know what the creation process is that allows you to avoid that. Um, but I'm sure there's got to be some way if they were doing it, you know, just as a pen and paint, uh, pen and paper game originally. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I would, I've, I've thought about that. I, at numerous times, you know, like random times of like, I should look up how they do that because it's gotta, <laughs> it's gotta be somewhere. It feels like that's, that's a ripe YouTube video. Yeah, for I was going to say, that's some content. Make. New show yeah. plus, you know? Yeah. When I, I want to know yeah, how they did it. Jeff, I appreciate Yeah, there you go, great, Jeff. Yeah. Get on it. Did you know? Uh, but yeah, I want to know how they did it back in the Game Boy days, because I'm sure it was just a headache and some archaic way of doing things that you look back on, and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 
it's like watching how they animated the original Toy Story. Right? <laughs> you see the computers <laughs> that you used. You're like, oh my god, how did you guys do this? Uh, uh, so we got a, a couple questions uh, from Leo before we sort of uh, wrap things up, and he had a couple recommendations uh, from Leo, who unfortunately couldn't be here today. What's your sweet spot? dimension wise mine's 15 by 20 <laughs> takes a long time but what's the rush pervert question <laughs> that that's sounds question. exactly the way leo talks oh, thank you. <laughs> like it's uncanny the way he wrote it out where it's like yep that's 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 that's, that's leo i, I gotta I say like a good big one i'll, I'll admit yeah. <laughs> it just sounds wrong but yeah like <laughs> yeah 15 by 20 is good uh also i I don't know. I like a good bite size one every now and then, a five by five that you can just solve in like twenty seconds or ten seconds. Honestly, is yeah. is very satisfying. All right, calm down, speedster. Me and my thirty five second apple. You just had to have the one up. Didn't you? <laughs> and, uh, I got stuck on a cherry once for like two minutes. So don't I haven't me. actually gone past ten by ten. That's like the biggest one I've done. I, I, mean, I actually maybe really for order by numbers. I went farther, but I don't really remember because I didn't beat the game. I actually really love the 10 by 10 because it's it's small. It's bigger than a 5 by 5, so it's not like too easy. And then the nice thing about a 10 by 10 is like I can almost do it without having to individually count the squares. Mm. Because once you get to 15, mm. I can't just look at a row and know like, oh, that's the 13th square. I kind of have to count it out mm. in my head. But if it's 10, I can I know like I know it without counting. So I, I do I do like the 10 by 10s. Um, so once you get bigger than that, it gets a little more complicated. It's not to say I don't like them. I do enjoy them greatly, but uh, I like rushing through the fives and the tens. Don't don't uh, don't most games make like the the fifth line darker or thicker to like kind of help with that? Yeah, there's there's some visual indicators there. Yeah, Um, but it's kind of like that. I think about I don't I don't know why I think about this sometimes, but like I, I think about like how many objects I can perceive without counting, if that makes sense. Mm. Like if you have five rubber balls and you throw them on the ground like do you need to go one two three four five or can you just be like that's five where it's like once i get past like seven i think i have to count but if it's like six i can i can i can recognize six things without having to count you don't even know what you're looking at what grade are you in what the hell Let's see uh, for another one from leo don't you love it when you pass the point in a puzzle where it's just kind of solving itself it's mm. relatable, right, guys? Yeah, and I hate when I think I'm there, and then I realize I made a grave error, and I have to undo everything I did. <laughs> oh, I've made a huge I do. mistake. Yeah, yeah. When you get to the point where you're like, "No, wait, this is wrong," and you're mm-hmm. like trying to backtrack. And then, so this, like, then this is wrong. Okay, yeah. so let's just throw yeah. the whole puzzle. Yeah. Trying to I was like, oh, I gotta like, race this whole half, and yeah, yeah. yeah. The worst <laughs> yeah. feeling, the highs is, and lows of pit cross. It is funny when you hit that point where you're like, "Well, this, I just need to start over, like entirely. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, there's no salvaging this." That's yeah, why it even took me even when they give to solve this block of cheese on the first screen of the game, even when they give you undo options, it's just like, no, this is. I would. I'm not going to understand where the mistake I made was. So just. Just burn restart. it down. Yeah. Get out of here. That yeah. happened to me in DaVinci Resolve today. So it could happen really anywhere. <laughs> Anything's a puzzle oh, if you're bad enough at it. <laughs> Uh, when you get also, to the point, uh, this is super nerdy, but when you get to the point where you're like near the end and you're like, okay, this, you you click that, do you bother with the X's at, at a certain point or do you just like, nope, this one leads oh, to that yeah. and that means this is that and or are you still methodically, I'm going to X out the rest of this row? Yeah, I never I'm trust everything. I never trust that I'm over the threshold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really only the five by fives is when I'll I'll be confident enough. 
to kind of not not deal with X's, but usually just for the satisfaction of doing it a hundred percent, I usually throw it. It just it just looks nicer when you like fill. I know it like the picture is gonna form regardless, but the thought of not filling it in is unhinged to me. Like absolutely not, (laughs) absolutely not. It's like. These people don't check their door at night again. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't. Maybe. Are we going to get killed? Probably not. But do I like the reassurance? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A terrifying well, if you want a real challenge, to your, yeah, your try to do like a 10 by 10 without doing any X's. Like, that's. See, here's the thing. It's here's, a fun challenge. Here's, here's my issue with that. If you want a real challenge, this is assuming I was not already challenged. Again, 46 minutes, <laughs> one block of cheese. I'm challenged enough with the base game. I appreciate you throwing out there for the. The, the high players who need to make their own adventure. I got plenty of fun in what they built right here because this is already <laughs> me at my max capacity. You know, we don't need to push it any further. Oh, I see good. you can't count six things. You can't look at six yeah, things. That's, that's, yeah. that's really where, like, once I can get Kyle's six item quick countdown, you know, that's what I'll really be, uh, transcend. Jeff, can you write that down for a uh, new show plus option is just Seeing how quickly people can or can't count things. Just, right <laughs> just Kyle in a room. How many objects, Kyle? It's uh, a good one. Uh, Leo also asked, what is Picross short for? Which is um, uh, picture, uh, picture cross. crossword. Yeah. Okay. Picture oh. crossword. Pick up this up. game. You won't be cross. Hey. <laughs> He's back, everybody. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, another good question that I like from Leo. Uh, when it's optional, do you take the automatic first line complete hint thing? Uh, I do. I think it's fun. Uh, that's uh, speaking for Leo there. Uh, lately, the the more Picross I play, the the less I take it. Uh, weirdly, because I'm just like, let's just get into it. I know where to start here. Uh, I don't need to wait like a couple seconds for the roulette to to count me down. Um, which is is a, just a sign of like true nerdiness to me, where I'm just like I can't get to the puzzle fast enough. I can't even <laughs> wait for the roulette to complete. Your hints just slow me down. I'm sick, so I do like the no assist run, even though I'm too dumb to do it. That's why it took me 46 <laughs> minutes to do the block of cheese. But I'm like, and then then I get to the point, you know, you get to that point in a return where I'm like, I'm 20 minutes deep in this puzzle. If I take the hint now, what was it all for? You know, um, it's true. There's there's definitely the moment though with like. Again, my history is S3, where I was like, oh, like, can I do a no hint run? And then it's like the moment where you're like, nah. And at that point, you're like, I guess sometimes I'll just give up. <laughs> you know. Sometimes I wait until I have like two blocks left and then I do the hint just to push it in. Just to see. So this is when the hint right? reveals the logic flaw. It's like, oh, oh no. Well, I'm just somewhere else. <laughs> Never mind. I, I also do. I, I hate the the Picross games where if you like, it's usually an option of like, show you you're an idiot as soon as you make the mistake. And it's like, no, I I was just trying to mark that one. I didn't mean to cross that one off. And and then it's instantly like, nope, you're wrong. And then it's like, well, Well, if you're on a time limit and it takes off 30 seconds or whatever, and you're like, ah, and then you, well, what's kind of fun about that is if you do have a time limit, you like start to feel the time crunch and you're like, I have 30 seconds left. Can I, can I solve this? (laughs) I I don't know that I've ever done a, a timed one or that I ever want to that's <laughs> yeah. like, let's, let's take this nice, like relaxed game and then make it stressful is, is not why I play Picross. Well, they have, they have another mode where it's, I don't remember exactly how it works, but where if you make one mistake, it, you fail and you start over is like explodes. Yeah. I want to, it explodes, but like those, those are like some of the like later 
at Picross S challenges where those those I do struggle with because I, I, I go really I go too fast, frankly, if I'm being honest with myself. And I Danger. do make uh, stupid mistakes. And then I and then I'm forced to start over. And it's uh, I think it's my favorite mode, though, is like playing timed while I lay on a bed of nails and a professional chef yells in my ear. I think it's <laughs> my go-to That's way fun do you it's like yeah it's just adds a little st- stress to the situation it's the only way he can feel anything anymore That's right. so. <laughs> <laughs> uh and a couple of just recommendations from leo he a uh, picto quest which is one i talked about earlier the cursed grids um which is it is it, like let's see what did leo write about it uh, there's a slow on-ramp and there are power-ups ben rings like we were talking about to help you through some puzzles um but it never goes bigger than 15 by 15 uh, which I also kind of liked about it. I, I actually like ended up doing every puzzle in that one because it was just really breezy and, and fun. I really liked that one. And then Leo also says his favorite is uh, Pixel, P-I-C-Z-L-E, Cross Adventure, uh, which I haven't played this one. He says it's his favorite. Hmm. Super cute, he says. So I'm actually going to have to go check He has out. my attention. I, look at this game. I'm sure it's on Switch. Um uh, super minor overworld elements, just enough to be a little exciting. Doesn't detract from the pick cross, says Leo. He spelled it how? P I C Z L E. Pixel. Cross it does look adventure. like it has like a little bit of a chibi, not not quite chibi element, but it has like a like some visual some visual novel text box presentation. And the mm. characters do look cute. This looks like it. Yeah, okay, I'm I'm down. What? El- eligible for up to 50 gold points? You can't afford not to download this, guys. <laughs> Get on it. I also, I did learn of, I should have mentioned this earlier, but apparently in Japan, it was like free to play on mobile and and also later 3DS. But Jupiter did make a Final Fantasy Picross game, which I thought was really cool. And like when I first saw that, I was like, I'm going to go see if I can find that on eBay. Like maybe mm. I can import like a, a a version of that, but um, it was it was it was online only. You could only download it, which which is a bummer. But uh, yeah, any any uh, final Picross thoughts, everybody, before we move into ads and questions? I it's I adore Picross. It's I it's it's one that becomes too distracting sometimes. Where there's other games that are like I should you know sh- should quote unquote be playing or like it was really excited to play and i'll just have these moments where i just like want to play nothing but picross it happens like every other month or something like that it's it's <laughs> insane yeah play picross if you haven't played picross you should play it check it out honestly and then play picross 3d because it's honestly awesome and then write andy mcnamara uh, andy mcnamara a letter and tell him which one you like better <laughs> also for yeah. the picross 3d i was looking into like the one of the um 3DS or DS or whatever. Um, I looked it up and on Amazon, which granted Amazon game prices are like so overly high. Like you just get look better at your local game store. They still want thirty dollars for it. I was like, that's a lot. Like well, uh, now, now it is a Nintendo published game. I know. So like it never dropped in price. It's like Sunshine so still you. fifty dollars on the GameCube. Why? Um, also, Pixel Cross Adventure, Leo's recommendation on Switch. It's ten dollars, but also you can download a demo for it. So there's that. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Uh, but yeah, and also I just I do want to call out if you're just the Picross S Genesis and Master System Edition, like genuinely, like it's a good starter one for sure. If you're if you're interested at all, alongside the ones that Leo recommend. Ben Reeves, do do you know how this whole thing operates? Are you familiar with this? Yeah, is it uh, Pantalones? <laughs> uh, no, it's it's Patreon. Pantalones. Oh, oh, oh. close, close. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, not really. Uh, those are two very different words. But um, yeah, patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. That's where you can go and you can sign up for a tier to support what we're doing here. Our Picross episodes. We're going to do a part two uh, at some point in the future, I'm sure. Keep us dive. The deepest dive on uh, Picross. We play every Picross game ever made. Gosh, hey, I'm down. Let's do it. I'll go through them all. Um, I, I imagine a lot of those conversations will be similar, though, unfortunately. Let's see. This week, MinMax is supported by Stamps.com, which is like the podcast stable. You're not a, you're not a real podcast until you're supported by Stamps.com. We all know that. Uh, and they've been around for 25 years, which I, I didn't realize. And they've been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Kelsey Lewin here at MinMax, who is, of course, also the, the co-director of the Video Game History Foundation and, and uh, the Pink Gorilla proprietor in Washington. Uh, she uses Stamps.com for all her mailing and shipping needs, and she always sings its praises. I, I also personally had a period in my life where uh, my wife was selling just, like, an absurd amount of things on Etsy. It was crazy. And we relied heavily on Stamps.com for all our shipping you know, we didn't have to go to the post. We didn't have to go to the post office. It was awesome, and the scale that they give you when you sign up, uh, I still have that, and I still use it. It's great, you guys. Uh, Help set- stamp out bad mail. Stamps.com. <laughs> That's their slogan. Right? There you go. Uh, your professional writer Ben Reeves, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Call me Stamps.com. <laughs> set up your business for success. Uh, when you get started with Stamps.com today, sign up with promo code MINMAX, two N's, M-I-N-N-M-A-X, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale, which I just shouted out. It's good stuff. No long-term What's the weight limit on that? Let me interrupt your ad again. I don't know. I, I wish I had an answer for you. It's, it's not a lot. We're talking about mailing things. You shouldn't be weighing yourself on the Stamps.com postal scale. <laughs> far as i know uh but no long-term commitments or contracts with that just go to stamps.com click the microphone on the top of the page and enter the code minmax again two n's you, you probably should know this by now if you're listening to minmax but m-i-n-n-m-a-x and uh you should be able to find a link to uh the description in or i'm sorry you'll be able to find a link to that uh promotion in the description on youtube and again, got a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. Stamps.com slash MinMax. And thanks to Stamps.com for sponsoring the show. We are also supported, as we have been since uh, nearly the dawn of MinMax, by IM8Bit, which is currently taking pre-orders on the vinyl soundtrack and art prints for Bug Snacks, which is a very good video game. I've, uh, the, I've talked about it uh, the last... Uh, all of my sort of... Uh, Hosting guest spots here. I've, I've talked about how my my daughter always calls Bug Snacks her favorite game. I asked her the other day, and she I think she has switched to Undertale now. The Bug Snacks is still is still very high up there. And lost another one to Undertale. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's right. So it's a two record collection, an orange cream vinyl with album art from Nicole Gust- Gustafsson and music from Seth Parker, and it also has the It's Bug Snacks track from Carol Carol Bonita. There are also limited edition art prints available on textured cotton rag paper. And of course, we will select a question of the week, as we do every week. And I Am 8-Bit will send that person who wrote in a question a prize in the mail. And this week, the winner of that question will get a copy of the Spinch vinyl soundtrack, uh, which is on psychedelic tricolor vinyl. 
and features a die-cut mouth portal jacket. Includes one of three limited edition art prints, music by Thesis Sahib, album art by Spinch creator Jesser Jacobs, mastered for vinyl by Townsend Mastering, and it also includes a digital download. So if you wrote in a question and we love it, and it's our question of the week, then hey, you'll get that in the mail. And that's pretty cool. The I am 8-bit code for July, which will get you 10% off of anything under $100, is egg on a sidewalk at imapit.com. Egg on a sidewalk is your promo code. One word, egg on a sidewalk, two G's. Okay, you guys ready to do some questions? I can't spell sidewalk ready. with two G's. Well, you can, spe- you can spell egg with two G's. Now there's sidewalk on my face. Oh, boy. <laughs> What's going uh, on here? I don't know. Good job with that, Andrew. <laughs> God, we're back in the Game Informer yeah, office is, right now. Is, I can just yeah. feel it. Just all of us being slightly confused by what Ben Reeves is mm-hmm. saying. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, Min Maxers asks Claudio, how often do you all actually engage with end game content? It's pretty rare for me personally. I see credits and I'm out. Yeah, once the game's yeah, over, not- I'm done with it. Yeah. I always say when the credits roll, I roll. And that's pretty true. <laughs> Almost always, I guess, how often? Very seldom. I mean, what do you mean in game stuff or post game stuff? Because that feels like an important yeah. distinction. Sure. Yeah. Claudio says end game, which, yeah, I, so I, I guess I, to me, I read it as like, do you, how often do you keep playing a game after you, you know, seen credits or maybe you've unlocked everything and now it's time to get to the real game, which is, is certainly not how I personally play games typically. Never. Like, Tears Never. of the Kingdom is about the only sort of recent one where I was like, I just kept going and will probably keep going despite having, you know, seen credits and, and finished the game. Even with, I don't know how you did Tears of the Kingdom, Kyle. I mean, you're reviewing it, so probably beat it. But uh, yeah, with um, with Tears of the Kingdom, I'm putting off beating it. I'm at the point where I could go finish it, but I'm like putting it off because I want to do all the stuff first before I go finish it off because once i again hit credits i'm i'm kind of done with the game usually yeah yeah basically as soon as i hit credits i uninstall anything i'm playing but i think this is we've talked about this in the past especially janet and i where it's like if you're in games journalism or anything games journalism adjacent you have to be playing so many games and you got to be on that that game of the year grind eternally that it feels yeah. like like i loved dredge i would love to go back and 100 percent dredge that ain't gonna happen though that's not the lifestyle i lead <laughs> yeah no it's a good point uh let's see from william daniel sear what do you think actual mana and health potions would taste like Champagne. This is funny because the um, I'm gonna may butcher some of the details of this, but League of Legends um had a collab with Coca Cola recently where they put out um a flavor of like Diet Coke that was like XP flavored, and I feel like it's in that same vein. And when I was drinking it, I'm like, I was asking my brother. I was like, I did a TikTok on this for Min Max, but I was like, does it taste like what you think XP would taste like? I think it was kind of sweet. Um, so mana and HP. HP would taste like green juice, I think. Coca-Cola is the opposite of a health potion. Well, well, hold on. Back up. What what did it taste like? It Uh, tasted kind of um, a little bit, a little bit sweet. Like it didn't, it didn't taste like as um, diety for lack of a better, because I don't drink Diet Coke. It's a thing. Like I was not equipped to cover this event. You know, it's really, (laughs) I also don't play League of Legends, but I was like, sure, I'll show up. Why not? I got an email and I live in LA. Um, yeah, it tasted kind of 
it kind of tasted like seltzer-y to me, like sweet seltzer-y. So like as someone that likes like okay. liqueur and like flavored waters, I thought it was actually pretty solid. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I was I've been thinking about this for a while. <laughs> That's good. I like the champagne idea. I feel like there's something there with like champagne no more or something for for a health pickup or sham. Oh, like a pun. Uh, yeah, champagne yeah. <laughs> there's something there <laughs> i just imagine but, them being like densely bubbly yeah okay. definitely carbonated heavily yeah. carbonated right? yeah. really but how well, do you I, take it quickly enough because you can't chug a carbonated drink like that you you'd just yeah. you'd burp you'd be a lot. burping yeah <laughs> the status effect would be would offset the uh <laughs> the benefits i feel like it would be thick and syrupy actually kind of like an actual mm-hmm. like medicine like hot like, like that honey like a pepto yeah. Thing. Uh, I hope not. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's supposed to be tasty. I don't know if it's like a, uh, like an XP thing. Like if it was giving you XP, I think it should be challenging to drink, right? Doesn't wouldn't that make I sense? Yes. I don't. But, I, that feels like it's based on a like medicine has to bait taste bitter. Whereas I'm more of yeah. a spoonful of sugar <laughs> helps helps the medicine go down. <laughs> Nature's medicine. Yeah, well, Jenna, sugar. a spoonful of sugar isn't any better than a cola if if you're taking it for medicine. <laughs> yeah, not better than champagne either. <laughs> and yet bottoms up. I think I feel- HP probably it's either going to taste like a green juice, like a green smooth, like a spinach strawberry smoothie, mm. or it'll taste like um, like electrolyte water. I think okay. would be like the I, two it, different flavors of electrolyte water. So I always associate potions with like a uh, health potion with with red. Am I, yes. am I dumb? Yeah. No, I'm okay. in. The, I'm red for health. Well, yes, but they have nothing to do with the color red. I think red or green is what I okay. With well, because just when you said green, for I, magic. Yeah, I'm, and also in my head, I don't know why, but HP potion i feel like would taste good and mana would taste bad i don't know why i I can't i don't have a reason for that but for some reason i assume that's what it would be like i feel like mana should make you just feel like super energized like something that just makes you feel electrified yeah something kind of like a red bull probably has a lot of b vitamins in it how would you feel about a game that just gave you like a specific drink like a a, you gain hp just by drinking lemonade or something like that pro against oh uh, I mean, they did it in Death Stranding, yeah. and I didn't. I don't like it there. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's, that's because like, that's a shameless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying like drink this Minute Maid lemonade, and that's gonna restore your health. See, I'm. I feel like when Death Stranding did it, like you could say it was a sellout move, or you could say it was camp. I like to think of yeah, it as right. a camp it's... design decision. Like I. Love if it was wanted, camp, stupid that was. Yeah, but if it was camp, he could have not taken money for it, and then I and then I'd agree and say, okay, he's the auteur everyone it's, it's pretends that he is. You know? Is it camp? You know, yeah. the pun things <laughs> filtered go. into me. Is it camp um, because he urinates? Is that the thing that kind of pushes it over into being camp? I, I think I it's camp because it's Kojima. Like okay. I don't know, he can I just the, do the, anything. The drinking like, specifically. <laughs> You know, yeah, do your he, art. Had, he had Snake wearing a, metal, a Mountain Dew shirt and like mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid 3 online multiplayer and stuff. It's that thing that I Leo said once, which I always think about all the time, which is like at the at the at the in the end credits of a movie, it should say whether it was supposed to be stupid or not. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like actually, it was supposed to be dumb. Yeah, and I think. Yeah. That and like that. that's what it should be like whenever uh, Sam Bridges is drinking Monster Energy, it should have like on the bottom of the screen, like this is meant to be dumb, signed Hideo Kojima. <laughs> There's um, the Kojima anecdote I always think about is like it was the making of Metal Gear Solid 2. There was an interview with him and he talked about, you know, you would go in lockers and then some lockers on the inside would be these picked like pinup pictures of, yeah. of 
sexy ladies and there was like you could zoom in the camera and like during some design meeting he's like oh when you zoom in the camera there should be like a kissing sound <laughs> and then people were like laughing and then they came back the next design meeting and he was like you guys didn't implement that sound <laughs> and they're like you were serious like <laughs> like nobody <laughs> thought he was serious oh man i don't claim that one that's too much um but the, the um for games that have done that i mean sunset overdrive has overcharge but i don't I don't remember if that was mm-hmm. just like a special, like a like filling a special meter because I don't think it was HP. I remember. I mean, that was that whole thing. Overcharge was like a plot driver too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Overcharge was everything. Yeah. That's like yeah. how the outbreak happened. Yeah. Yeah. I I drank a promotional can of that at some event. How uh, was, was it? It? It, t- it was like an orange energy drink, and yeah. it was fine. <laughs> yeah, that's about what I expected. I would love if a, an HP was like an orangina. That might be my optimum. Like, <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, not what I think it is, but what I would want it to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, I accidentally clicked a thing. Chandler asks a very important question. I miss Ben Reeves. Can he take a minute to reassure me that he's happy, healthy, and doing well out there on his own? <laughs> yeah, at least two of the three. All right, start no, the think... clock. One minute. I'm. What was this guy's name? Chandler. Hey, Chandler. Using up a lot of time. Thank you. Thank you for writing in. I want you to know I'm happy, I'm healthy, and I'm doing well. Okay, yeah. You, you got a lot of time. in the gun to his head when he did that straight to Cam. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it's all for Chandler. I man. am good. Or, I feel great. Like <laughs> <laughs> right, right. off to the side. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Hurd asks, when you get to name your character in a game, do you A, use your real name, B, have a go-to video game name, video game name, or C, come up with a new name each time? It's my name. I think it depends on the Oh, that's interesting. I never do my own name. I It depends yeah. if I'm like, if I'm, I'm going to be playing myself, like if I'm going to model the character after me, which I don't often do, but if I'm gonna, it'll get my real name. But if I don't have the option to like customize it at all, I do have a, a fake backup name that I always go to. Yeah, I, I will always, as, they don't really do this much anymore, but certainly in like classic 16-bit RPGs, I would always take the name that they suggest for the mm-hmm. character. Like I would never mm-hmm. make up my own names. Uh, usually I just go Kyle, but if I am playing as a, a female character, which I usually do given the choice, I, I change it to Kylie. Uh, oh, K-Y-L-I-E. That's nice. Just because, I don't know, it's funny to me. I actually do that a lot, Kyle. Like half the time, I'll just like do the default name, whatever it is. Like if there is a default name, yeah. Or especially with Zelda, I always, at this point, I do Link. That's uh, I did do that too. Just, yeah, actually, I don't know why. I think when I was a kid, he's I Link. Did, he's I, not me. He's Link. Yeah, exactly. He's, <laughs> he's that, one, that one always hit me a little weird that they even let you do that. Mm-hmm. I still wouldn't make mm-hmm. myself me and just be Janet, but it's like. That's definitely Link. But I don't know. Yeah, Link is know like hero of time could be anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. He's too iconic, I think. Ben, when you choose your own name or like when you when you customize the name, is it the same name every time or you just got you got like a Rolodex? How you doing this? Uh, well, so I said I don't pick my own name, but sometimes I do write Jammin, which is just like a dumb high school nickname, yeah. which is kind of Ben Jammin is my, my full name, right? So J-A-M-I-N. Ah, cute. But uh, it doesn't feel like it's my name, if that makes sense. Uh, otherwise, yeah, sometimes it's just like, sometimes I'll do the randomized name, or sometimes I'll just do like the yeah. first name that pops into my head, or, you know, sometimes it's a historical figure like Abraham Lincoln or something, because uh, I think that's funny. <laughs> it is funny. It made me laugh. 
Let's see. Uh, Travis Manick says, hello, friends. And he has two N's in friends. Uh, says, uh, Kyle, you've said before that you dislike the joke from the movie Moana, where Maui signs his name with a chicken and calls it tweeting, since it's a fictional world making a joke related to the real world. Yeah, I hate that. It's the worst joke in that. <laughs> movie. Uh, my question is, if Twitter ever goes away, will this joke now become uh, acceptable? Oh, excuse me. Will this joke be- now become acceptable since it technically no longer references a real world thing? Uh, no, I'll still hate it. Twitter doesn't see like <laughs> if Twitter it goes yeah, away, it's still it a real world thing. It doesn't become fictional if yeah. it goes down. What if somebody goes back in time and kills Twitter before it's born? <sighs> Would that and then it's that meme image of like paradise on earth. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> hey, that's where Threads is taking us, you guys. Get mm. on board. <laughs> no, no Threads love. No, I'm, I'm just kidding, making guys. me I mad. I'm, I'm, sure on, I'm on I'm Threads begrudgingly. Threads. They gotta fix that main page. It's, it's awful. terrible. Also, I, turns out the I people I follow on Instagram, you... y'all, some of y'all don't got good thoughts to write out. Okay, you only have pretty <laughs> pictures. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was there for the aesthetic, but you're not good at like actually saying things. <laughs> <laughs> not all, not all, but just some. It's just different mediums. You know, my Instagram sucked. Like I'm good with words. My pictures, mm-mm, they're not good. You know, we all have strengths. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Travis in Fargo says, what happens in your brain when you listen to audio content with podcasts and audiobooks? Do you imagine what the speakers are describing or do you just think about what the people you're listening to look like? Neither. I like this question because I don't I don't know if I've ever thought about this. Uh, I usually, yeah, I think about what they're describing, I think. I mean, sometimes you'll like imagine them like in the booth talking, I guess, and imagine them talking to each other. I do like um, you, if I get into a podcast and I become a regular listener after like a week or two, I will go look them up online just to see what they look like, mm. just so I can attach sort of a visual to the person I'm listening to. But then after that, I don't know that I necessarily imagine them like recording in a room or anything like that. I, I, I don't think I imagine anything. Yeah, I don't I don't I'm not sitting around visualizing i i don't know i don't think i visualize anything when i'm listening to audio like it's just like it's not a visual medium <laughs> yeah. the same sometimes i'll have like a very quick visual association like i was listening to um the king krista podcast the other day while i was cleaning my bathroom as one does and uh, they mentioned their Discord, and for a brief moment, I pictured in my mind what Discord looks like. But I'm not like trying to visualize what they're describing or the games they're describing. I'm just kind of, I'm more focused on what task I'm doing. I think it's because I always listen to podcasts while I'm doing something. Yeah. So that there's no mental space to visualize for me. Well, when mm. I read a book, I visualize what's happening in the book because I'm only like reading the book usually. Maybe that's why like you're having court- trouble counting the number of things in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's holding me back. Okay. I feel like this question has just broken all of our minds, though. And now the next time we all listen to a podcast, we're going to be visualizing a bunch of things. That's right. Yeah. Eh. I'm going to sit down and start drawing the people I'm listening to. Like, uh, this is what, what, do, what do they look like? Where are they sitting right now? <laughs> it's kind of fun not knowing what they look like if you can have that moment. Like, I kind of enjoy that. I agree, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm burdened with the knowledge people. of what everyone looks like. <laughs> That's a good. I like. That's a good quote. I'm burdened with the knowledge of what everyone looks like. I like that. I don't know well, what. Because once you know what they look like, that's all you're gonna picture of them. Yeah. But before that, they just you know they kind of have this just vague image of what they could look like. Yeah. Uh, make sure to check out the YouTube version of this podcast discussion <laughs> on YouTube.com/slash. Ruin yourself forever. Index, I guess. <laughs> 
the one one says hello everybody from MinMax. so there has been recent discourse with final fantasy 16 when it comes with uh, when it comes to its difficulty my question to the crew is why is a game being too easy always looked at as a negative but can't be done to criticize a game being too hard well i guess i missed this discourse P- people are complaining that's too easy it can't you can make it easy if you want well you can um, make it easy but can't you just yeah. like take all that stuff off too yeah and- you can. I, I mean, yeah, the interesting part of the question to me from the one one is, is saying that, uh, you know, that the games aren't criticized enough maybe for being too hard. Right. We can be like, oh, we don't like this because it's too easy. But he, I guess the one one is saying that they don't hear people saying, I don't like this because it's too hard. What about Which surprises me because I feel like games? that's. It's like the whole yeah. rhetoric around the Souls games. But I do. I mean, I guess in a larger sense, like the the complaints about. To, to get into some gaming cultural history, a lot of the complaints about games being too easy or like the baby mode of of lowering difficulty is like a hugely gendered conversation where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to play girlfriend mode, which is easy mode. Like, I, I think that that is sort of the, the history of that, which is why you have so many complaints about games being easier, but very rarely do you have that same rhetoric about really hard games, with the exception of the Souls games. Which are hard, but even, but even those are, are. It's presented as like a. These are good because they're hard. Exactly. You know? but yeah. I, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> a game it can absolutely be sort of. Uh, you can be critical of a game for being too hard because it's it, if it's not like fair to the player, then it becomes yeah. a, a big problem. You know. I That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's because more challenging, with, I think. To oh, go ahead. Well, I, just with the souls thing, like the reason souls. I mean, people do criticize Souls, but the reason I think it gets a pass more so than it than it otherwise could is because it is fair. Like it is, hmm. you know, why you're getting hit, or you know, it's very deliberate, and you know exactly what's happening. So, the reason you could criticize a game when people say this game's too hard, they they probably mean it's not very fair in its difficulty. And when a game is fair in its difficulty, then it's more fun. Um, but you know, there's a wider discussion there on like, should a game be harder, or what kind of difficulty settings should there be for players? And I like dropping things. But yeah, but absolutely, a game you can say I don't like this game because it's too hard. Like that's right. a totally <laughs> that's a yeah, fair complaint. I think, to I think have, people do, know? but I think the other I think there's two reasons why you hear that last. One, I think admittedly a lot of people myself even included like you want to be wary of i think miscategorizing as is it too hard or are you not quite <laughs> equipped enough to do it like which one is no, it sure. right is it like the get, or, or the get good get right good. but yeah <laughs> yeah it is but but there is obviously the people use that as a way to pejoratively dismiss people's complaints which i don't like either but at the right. same time like as a critic i'm always really careful about whether i think a game is too easy or too hard contextualizing it so that the listener can make it meaningful for them. Because, like, for instance, I'm really good at platformers. Like, I'm really good at platformers. Like, I played Super Meat Boy on my keyboard, like, good at platformers. But So I know the genre that's, a lot. That's wild, Janet. That's, yeah. that's so <laughs> like, wild. Um, but, I, so I find it a lot easier to discuss um, the difficulty of a platformer. Like, I feel very comfortable saying the Insane Trilogy remake is too hard because the hitbox got weird and the shadow, mm. whatever. Like, and I feel really confident because I'm such an expert in that skill that I feel like, even if you disagree, I feel very firm in that feeling while something like, you know, pick cross, I'm not going to say it's too hard because it does, it does feel fair. And also like, I'm bad at it. Like I can, I understand the ways that I'm bad at it more so than other people, but that's not about it being too hard. So I think it can be really difficult to parse 
to make a comment on difficulty when it's such an inherently personalized thing while also trying to be, I think, respectful of the of the game, of the other people playing and also of yourself and honest about like having being able to assess your own abilities. Like there's a lot of complexity, I think, that goes into having uh, a genuine comments on that part. So I think that's why you hear that a little bit less as well. Yeah, yeah but but I, I think the people who aren't having that kind of internal conversation with themselves, they're more than happy to say a game is too easy because that means I'm cool and I'm really good at games versus yeah. saying a game is too hard because that means I'm a fake-ass gamer. And it, exactly. It's, and, and I think that does have, to some extent, a cooling effect on on like professional critics as well, where, where it's like it is probably easier for us to say, I think this game is a little too easy and and it it does kind of push us towards the idea of like, well, I think that game's too hard, but I can't say for sure because yeah. like maybe it is a balance, maybe I'm just not good enough, and and that I I don't know if if that's for the better of games criticisms or games discussion, and and I am I am more than happy to say like when I think a game is just too damn hard, and when it's when it's imbalanced, and I and when they don't give you the options, like I I understand. Like very, very few, I'm, I'm always in the camp that like very few games can pull off what From Software does where they don't give you the option, but it's balanced enough that, that most people can get into it if they want to. But I'll, I'll call that crap out all the time when, when I feel like it's not fair. And, and maybe it is, maybe it is just me and I'm not good enough at those games, but you know what? I play a lot of games and like, if I'm not having fun, I will tell you that I'm not having fun because it's, it's too difficult. And also, like, shout out real quick. I I started playing Dead Cells again because, like, the PS5 update was free for some reason, and I don't I don't even know if I had the PS4 version, but it, but I saw like some article that was like you can download it right now for free, and I started playing it. And like, at some point, I don't think it was in it from the beginning, but at some point they added an assist mode to that game where they just let you they like when you start the assist mode they say like hey this is meant to be a hard game but we we feel that it's you know like pretty straightforward to play and like so we obviously have our choice of difficulty but they but then they say like but like that's arbitrary and you should just put it to whatever you want and they give you the ability to change completely like how much how much health enemies have and how much damage that they do to you <laughs> and and so like I bumped those sliders all over the place and I'm having so much more fun and I've gotten Hell so yeah. much farther in that game than than I would have otherwise. And I I super appreciate that. I wish I wish more people less I wish less developers went the like a tour like, oh, I'm gonna make a really hard game for for true gamers and like <laughs> just just give people that option. Yeah. Yeah. Let people choose for themselves. Yeah, I think I, it just are sort of full circle. I think actually Final Fantasy 16 is a pretty good solution for that, yeah. honestly, of just letting you like equip things to just make the game super easy if you want. You know, if you want story, boom, that's how you approach it. That's uh, why I was surprised to hear that that discourse even exists because I was like, well, there's there's so options. You can make it harder if you want, or you can make it easier if you want. Like I think, yeah, like you you said, Kyle. I think that actually has some really good options there. People like to argue about things. It turns out. Uh, no, Tyler. they don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tyler Kasishki asks, how does everyone handle TV show openers? Watch it every time to set the mood slash tone. Oh. Always skip to get straight to it. Only watch it if it's good. Uh, I'm curious, Jenna, are you turning your head? I'm curious if you thought I was asking a different 
what, or I what you thought it was being what asked. What you were asking? Like, what do I do with <laughs> TV show openers? Nothing. What? When you make your own TV show, how do you handle your opening? <laughs> uh, if it, if it's a week to week show, like if I'm watching it once a week, I usually I don't skip it. You know, yeah. I savor it. But if I'm like watching episode, 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 I'll usually start skipping. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm binging the if, first couple episodes, I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to watch the, the, the theme. But then after you hit like the third, fourth, fifth episode in a day, it's like, okay, let's, let's keep this party yeah. going. Yeah. I if would it, always skip that lost intro too long. <laughs> if it would take me, if it would take me the length of like the opener to find the remote and press the skip button, <laughs> then, I'll, then I won't even try and I'll just, yeah. I'll just sit there, but. Yeah, any longer than that, I'll probably skip it. Yeah, it kind of depends on what it is, how many episodes I'm doing. I binged, I don't think, I don't know if I finished the series. I don't think I did. Orange is the New Black. I kind of fell off when everyone did. If you know, you know. It's yep. like, anyway, but yeah, right? Yep. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> Orange is the New Black. Um, that is one opener that like both I love and absolutely hate. Like the song, the, the animal song, trap, trap, mm. trap. Because I hear it so much. And I think I was watching that show before we had the skip intro option, I think, mm. on Netflix. Dark days. So like me and my friend were just binging the show. And it's and it's such a, it's like a full song. It's like, and we just, you know, it was like that, um, that thing where you like hear it so much you hate it. But then it kind of comes back around again. You get <laughs> that, that I have a toxic relationship with that opening. So, uh, yeah, beef- the, oh, please go ahead, Reese. I remember the Dexter intro being like super long, mm. for like a minute and a half or something. I think I yeah, I usually skip them. Uh, the one that I didn't skip for some reason was Cheers. We were watching that a lot during the pandemic, yeah. and I don't know. It's a good, catchy intro, and for some reason, never wanted to skip it. It's is very that, cute. Yeah, it's is that on Netflix? Where's that at? No, it was on it? Hulu for a while. I think the first four seasons are still on Hulu. If you're interested, I, like, I don't know if maybe it's like a sickness that we all endured because of the pandemic. Where I was even, I was like, should I go back and watch Cheers? You I should. Like, I, I did a front to back. Literally, okay. every episode is good except for like two of them. Yeah, like yeah. it's oh, wild the run they have on Cheers. I mean, I, I certainly have fond memories of it. You know, I've watched a lot of it on Nick at Night as a child. But um, yeah, <laughs> I think I might need to go watch some Cheers. <laughs> uh, Beefcake says if you have $88 in store credit at a used game store what would you buy sincerely an indecisive person pick Ross 3D because y'all just told me about it and yeah, this know. is $83 and I still got some money left over that's the first thing I'm buying <laughs> I always whenever I, I like going into mom and pop uh, video game stores and I always am trying to find a Super Nintendo copy of the adventures of Batman and Robin which Whoa. is like the the Super Nintendo game based on the animated series, because um, it's like not it's not you know Earthbound rare, but it's also not like uh, you know Madden '94 common, <laughs> right? It's like <laughs> the for which console? Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo, yeah, yeah. Like I would like I really different. yes, yeah. The Genesis and the Super Nintendo ones were so I that's what I would buy. I would see if because that would probably be about. I bet it would be about like. Maybe on the high end, it would probably be about 80 bucks because it's kind of rare, you know? So that's what I would buy because I, I want that game. I want to own a physical copy of that game. I would buy Panzer Dragoon Saga if I could find it for $88 because that game sells for like 500 now. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have a copy and my friend of mine uh, sold it. So Whoa. Your so copy? Friend you friend. Your games. Yeah. It was a confusing thing where he was borrowing it and he thought we had traded it. I had traded it to him for something, oh, which I did not. Did you get a cut? 
No. What is it for? Plus, this was years ago, back when it was not worth five hundred dollars. Uh, it was probably you probably got fifty bucks for it or something. <laughs> I would get something real nostalgic for me. I'd get like a Pokemon Red Blue if they had them. That seems like a rare option. Or uh, I don't know, like a Pokemon Pinball, Pokemon Snap. I'd mm. just get something just like that scratched yeah. that that baby itch in my baby brain. Hey, also, uh, Jupiter worked on Pokemon Pinball. So, I know you, you know. mentioned it earlier. That's why I thought of it. I was like, man, I would love to crack into some, some Pokemon Pinball. <laughs> in general, if I'm not like hunting for something like really specific in mind, which I rarely am, I'm just not. I have a lot of stuff, but I'm not really a collector. It's just random things. I love to just look at um, whatever console of choice and like kind of see what they're the equivalent of low to high is there. That's like how I got into Loco Roco. Like I had never mm-hmm. personally heard of that game. I know it's not like a super obscure game or anything, but I wasn't familiar with it. You know, it was when I was a kid. So I wasn't like talking to 800 nerds every week about games. So I, I and it was really cheap. It was like $9 and I love that game. Huh? So I love doing like having a moment of discovery within a game store like that. That's how I got into even, you know, it's not mom and pop, but at GameStop, I was like, What's a multiplayer game that doesn't suck, but is just kind of chill? And that's how I found Blur. And Blur, I love Blur. It very much is a 6 or 7 out of 10, but it's like, I have so much fun with that game. So I think that's a really, um, it's a way that I really enjoy engaging with uh, retail at this point in retro gaming. If you can find like 8 or 9 games like that, that are all like 6, 7 bucks, you know, you can get, it's really stock up. Barring all that, you could pick up Marvel's Midnight Suns along with the season pass. Yeah, yeah. Ben Reese, uh, <laughs> the game of the year, twenty twenty two. We know it's coming. You would have had a chance at the end, Reeves. But now you've squandered it. No. <laughs> I uh, my I have a, a a specific local local memory, Janet, where I had a PSP. They were pretty new at the time, and I was waiting for a college class, and this guy who was like oh you have one of those psps and he was like i heard they have like gran turismo on there and like madden like clearly a guy who was like into like sports and racing and stuff like that and he's like what are you playing and he like looked over my sh- shoulder and said i was playing loco roco and he just was like what what is happening like he like he, i think in my i think he like walked away from me like disturbed that i like wasn't playing FIFA or something on my sound full volume the sound well, Kyle, volume is very did you know that they have gran turismo on that and madden I, I, that's where I learned. I He's like, oh, it. they have real games on this too. You can real also games? watch Hitch on there. I had that. I think I still have yeah. my copy of Hitch for UMD. Oh, I, I sat down on the couch and watched Spider Man Two in full on my PSP once, and was like, I, I don't watched. Know why um, I, did this. Wow. I watched Batman Begins on there, and I had the Logitech speakers, which back in the day were like eighty bucks, which is like way yeah, more than yeah. eighty bucks now. And I'd like hook it all up and have this like mini movie set up. And I sat there. I put on Batman Begins in my like di- childhood dining room. I made a sandwich that was like two tiers and the in-between tiers had hot Cheetos in them. Incredible. And I had the evening of my young life. So. <laughs> yeah. If I had an evening like that now, I'd be like, what a great no, day. Like, I don't care what your plans are. You can't tell me what you're doing tonight is better than what I used to describe. <laughs> you can't. No, you can't. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, last question here, I think. Uh, hi, Ben? Ben from MinMax. No, this is a different Ben. We have a, a, a better Ben here today. Wait, you guys have um, multiple Bens here? Yeah. I'm talking about you, Ben. You gotta keep one. We see the, the one we had. He's out of rotation, so that's why we gotta keep one stock. That's you. <laughs> Get rid of the old. In with yeah, the new. The that's old right. used up, Ben. Uh, by the way, they said it, it's pronounced Dordone. Dordoin. They, Ooh, they say, which I maybe know. I'm mispronouncing their correction. I think it's Dordonia. Sure. Dordoin. I, like I mean, if it's if it's a French if it's a French, French word, yeah. it would be like Dordonia. 
Yeah, like that's kind of that sounds normal, right? Somehow. Which maybe maybe that's what uh, Rich here is is has how they're spelling it, and maybe I'm just butchering their attempt to. Like, Someone give told me, me it's like lasagna spelling. Okay. <laughs> hey. uh, let's see. I think the world would be a better place if we banned the word "immortal" from game titles. So yeah. games like you know Diablo Immortal, Immortals of Avium, mm, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Yeah. Yeah. What word would you ban from game titles? Resurgence. Legend. Whoa, resurgence. Legend. Legend. Uh, Legend. Yeah. Good. Legend was my answer too. No shadow. We don't need any more legends. No. Like yeah. the legend Zelda's of Zelda grandfathered did it. in, right? Well, like, I was no, say, yeah. retroactively. We're that's just fine. calling it Zelda from now on. I'm not the, into of Zelda. It. <laughs> I think, you, I think if you take Zelda. out Legend, you got to take out Zelda, Legend of Zelda. Then you can't just okay. get to have that one. Yeah, that's no, why I don't. Right. Fine. I'd still do it. I'd still do it. League of Legends. I don't like it. Yeah. No. This is gone. So what is it? It's just League? Well, I guess yeah. you just call it League. Everybody right. just calls it League anyway. Yeah. yeah. And they call everybody, it Zelda but anyway. Everybody right? yeah. already yeah, but, but it's, Nintendo hates that you do it, too. Well, just saying. Yeah. They hate everything. Legend but Legend, Legend just facilitates, <laughs> like, bad non-titles because it's always just the Legend of something. And and the something is something you've never heard of. It's some in-game So Legend thing, of so Mana? Like, We're just oh, getting great. rid of all of that? Yeah. 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 Sure. Better titles. But yeah, all the all the R's like resurrections, resurgence, mm. like those are once you add that to your title. Get rid of war too. War. I'm done with war? war. Just yeah. War. Uh, what is the Kratos a good one for it? That's right. Wait, what if, what if the trick is get rid of the word of, and then they can't name their thing, their title, some ridiculous that, long combination. That is like, true. Of, like, You're setting the grounds uh, for an even God larger of war. It's just God now. They have to start thinking through like what's a better name for something. Yeah. Get rid of yeah. Midnight. I was just about to, I was just about to come for that game. I'm not going to lie. I was thinking, what is this game called? Uh, Marvel. Marvel. I, honestly, genuinely, Ben, I mean, I, I, I do prefer just calling it like Midnight Suns or Spider-Man. Like, we don't need the, we don't need Marvel. We know where they're coming from. Yeah, can from. you tell yeah. them that we said that? Thanks. I might agree with you, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't Legally, say I can't say, but uh, uh, wait, hold on. You're working me over. One that's of those the, emails the, that goes to everyone. Just so we just want to remind everybody how important it is that when you're representing the company that you say Marvel. Like, <laughs> this is clearly directed at me. But. Uh, that's uh, yeah, you guys, uh, question of the week. What do you think? Uh, we had the question about uh, difficulty, which I thought fostered a good conversation. Uh, the I like the credit. question about mana potions. Yeah, I know that I was, the potions one. I feel yeah. like that's been asked a bunch of times in places, good. but I don't know. It was a good conversation. I just like Let's talking about it. drinks. Yeah, Let's do it. I liked it too. William Daniel Sear uh, asked uh, that question. So guess what, man? Question of the week. There you go. I, you know, I'm I'm going to copy and paste the name. I'm going to message it to Jenna right now. <laughs> I was just hopping into Slack to be like, hey, don't forget to message me. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Yeah, so that's, there we go. That's, we, we answered a bunch of questions. We talked about Picross. It was a great episode. Now it's time for a little something called Get a Load of This. <laughs> Jeff Mark Fava, do you have a load of this for us to get i do get a load of this yeah that was terrible don't ever say that again uh fix it we'll fix it in post okay. last week i had a positive story no i will not she's that's going in uh last week i had a positive story about artificial intelligence but we're back on the crap train um and this is a this is a video from yeah. the it 
ITU, which is like a United Nations group, put together uh, an AI for good global summit press conference in which uh, they brought in a bunch of journalists to interview nine different robots. Uh, and it went about as well as you could you could possibly assume that it would. Um, it's a it's a real S show. Uh, and we'll we'll link in the entire video because it's just like uh, robots aren't taking taking over the world anytime soon, guys. This it's like oh, constant, okay. constant like technical issues that they also couldn't just figure out like how to how to put microphones in front of these robots. Like it it is an embarrassing like cringe watch if if you're if you're looking for a little more of that in your life. Um, <laughs> that is, and yet that is so, not going to stop companies from using them to substitute for human labor <laughs> as yes. soon as possible. <laughs> yes, I'm just putting. Billions of more dollars into it. Um, so, but don't don't worry about them showing up on your doorstep anytime soon to murder you because okay. they ain't there yet. Hell yeah. Uh, Janet, what about you? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, mine is kind of self-serving in that it's inherently kind of a plug, but um, Jordan Miner's Video Game of the Year book just came out. I think it came out yesterday. Uh, it is a year-by-year guide to the best, boldest, and most bizarre games from every year since 1977. And it features, like, a bunch of additional, like, side blurbs about other people's game of the year for varying years, uh, including one of mine. So um, not, like, a huge, giant contribution by any means, but it's always fun to do these, like, collab moments where there's a lot of people in the industry. You know, the is written by Dan Reichert. So um, if you're interested, check it out. Personally, I'm a big fan of these general like game of the year like kind of conversations and lists like it's something that i enjoy using to sometimes pick up a game that i have missed a lot across the years to see obviously that's meaningful to some people and it's fun to just like take a look at it regardless of how it shakes out um so yeah check it out if you're interested i just got my copy like yesterday i'm excited to read through it and see uh all these different games that i may not have been aware of otherwise nice uh hey guys get a load of this I, uh, there's a show on Apple TV called the after party that I love. I, it's like my favorite, one of my favorite shows is a murder mystery show from, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller who did the spider verse and 22 jump street and all that stuff. Uh, season two just started my whole family. We stayed up late and we watched the first two episodes because it's like, it's a really funny murder mystery, but then they also like, put genuine clues in the backgrounds of scenes and like codes and stuff. And it's super fun to like jump onto the Reddit and like try and solve all that stuff. But I just, it's one of those shows that's like really great that I just, I don't really feel like I see a lot of people talking about. So the after party, uh, if you like knives out and glass onion and stuff like that, like go watch the after party. You're probably still your, your subscription probably lapsed. Uh, cause you forgot to cancel it after Ted Lasso. So just watch the after party <laughs> season one and, and jump on season two. So I just wanted to call out a, a good show that I like. Uh, Jenna, you got anything for us? I'm going to second the after party. I watched season one. It's really good. It's a, like yeah, legitimately it. very funny, good mystery. Uh, but the thing I wanted to have you get a load of, if you haven't, if you somehow missed it, I feel like everybody was talking about it, but I wanted to bump it in case you didn't person listening and or watching this, which is that the Video Game History Foundation put out an incredible study 
about um, classic games and archiving, something we've talked about on the show before. Uh, and the, they, they came to the conclusion that 80% of classic games released in the United States are out of print and unavailable, uh, which is kind of bad news from an archiving slash history standpoint. And the study's really fascinating and it got a ton of coverage, but I just wanted to bump that in case you somehow missed it. You should check that out. I think I think I saw that. I think they said it was worse than the silent film era, like in terms of you know, oh, geez, how yeah. preserved things are. Yeah, it's bad news. It. <laughs> uh, Reeves, do you have some for us? Yeah, I could get used to this. All right. <laughs> There's a guy, <laughs> a YouTube guy named Matt with uh, four T's. Just Matt is his YouTube handle. But he talks about comic books and comic book related things. So if you're at all interested in that, you should check out this one that just released. It's the first comic book is not what I expected is the name of the, the title. And he talks about the guy who basically invented the art form of comics, which a lot of people are like, well, I don't know. Superman came out in the thirties or something. So probably like right before then it's like, no, this guy was like working in the early 1800s. He's a guy Mm -hmm. named uh, Randolph Topher, I believe, or Rudolph Topher. And he was a guy with, with failing eyesight who wanted to be an artist, but he wasn't able to make it in the art world because of his eyesight. And so he started, teaching and drawing more character like larger character style art which obviously the famous art world was not uh, looking fondly on it but he was he was creating these critiques uh with mashing up his characters with actual text and he eventually published something like that but anyway the whole video is is pretty interesting if you want to check that out cool yeah links below in the description oh uh jeffem do you have one from the community Get a load of this. Yes, get, get a load of this. Um, it was originally going to be the one that Jenna just shared. Uh, oh, the, no. Uh, History game one. Yet. So that that was um, external heart. But we have another one. Get a load of this. Uh, this one is from Scott A. Ford. And he was talking about big news in the world of dreams. Um, and basically, they, they had said that the, the um, live service is ending. But along with that, they just announced that... Uh, you can use your creations uh, for commercial commercial use now. And Scott A. Force said that um, he's actually been using it to make art for for quite a while now. And so he actually shared some in our we have an we have an a, an exclusive art channel in the MinMax Discord um, where he posted some cool pictures that he's been doing with with dreams. Um, but apparently, anyone if you've made stuff there um, and you're kind of sad about the live service aspect of it ending. You can now uh, sell your stuff, which is cool. Cool. Uh, well, yeah. So that does it for this week of the MinMax show. Uh, ben Reeves, thanks for coming on and being a guest. Much appreciated. Yeah. Do you? Thanks uh, for I, know, I joked that I you wouldn't get a plug at the end of the show when you you know arbitrarily shoved Marvel's Midnight Suns <laughs> in the episode. Uh, but no, please, if you have anything to plug, please, please do so now. I mean, yeah, I wish I had an additional thing to plug, but. Uh... I'm not really on Twitter anymore. You're welcome to follow me. I don't really tweet a ton, but yeah, play Marvel's Midnight Suns, especially the DLC, Morbius and Venom. Uh, I worked really hard on those, and I think they're a lot of fun. Um, You know, you can buy my book if you want. That's like 10 years old. The called Kill Screen. It's on Amazon. It's a good time as well. There you go. Uh, Yeah, anybody else have any plugs? I I feel like I the last couple weeks, I... Didn't even open the floor for that, but we like to plug things. Um, just follow us everywhere on social media. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, during my tenure as like social media summer intern, 
several new platforms launched and one big one is really dying. So I don't really like that aspect of it, but we roll with the punches. Um, We're everywhere, either as MinMax or MinMax Show, just kind of depending on where we could get it. So we're on, of course, you know, Twitter, Instagram, but we're also on threads. We're on TikTok and we're on Blue Sky. If you can get on Blue Sky, apologies for not having codes to share with the many community members who are like, love, would love to be there. Can't get on there. That is what it is. And I'm sure by next week, I'll be on something else for some reason. (laughs) And none of these have a way to schedule. But genuinely, come through. Um, We do have some giveaways coming up. I'm not ready to announce those quite yet, but I'll definitely be posting about them on socials. As they come up, you know, it'll just be fun stuff like interacting with different posts and just kind of raffling things off. So, um, yeah, come check it out. Um, You know, y'all have been carrying that in a lot of ways. You know, I've been actually watching a lot more of our content, clipping things out. It's a blast doing the new show plus clips, Um, checking out what Jeff is getting up to and his forever running twos of the kingdom stream. So um, (laughs) it's a cool way to kind of taste test other content. You know, if you only listen to the podcast Check out the video versions of our stuff. Maybe something will speak to you and you'll find a new episode to get into. Cool. And uh, at the time that you're listening to this, I believe the final episode of The Legend of Zelda, excuse me, <laughs> The Of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, The don't, Deepest Dive, don't I believe, promise episode anything. four. Don't I, promise we, we anything. <laughs> we don't want to promise anything, but it has been recorded. The audio is that. up for Patreon subscribers. The audio is now available. If you're waiting for the video version on our YouTube channel, that'll come up. Some, I mean... May, at some point. <laughs> yeah, at some point. This episode going up on YouTube has to take priority. So if I don't think I can get both of them done in time, then the deepest dive will come Friday. That's that's fine. Just know that it's coming soon, right? Like, keep an eye out for it. And hey, maybe this is the, the push you needed to sign up for the Patreon to get that audio version of our deepest dive discussion. But uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for showing up. Thanks for indulging me talking about Picross. I love Picross <laughs> uh, more than it's healthy. And be good have fun let's go yo don't pick your nose pick cross <laughs>